Hello, and welcome to episode 133 of the Gaming Fix podcast. I am your host, oh, it's August 8th, I gotta say that, right? I am your host, Andre Cole, aka your partner's favorite self-help tip. I am joined today by Alex. Confucian Batman. <laughs> Pat. Uh, I don't, I was trying to think of any other famous self-help books, but I just was drawing a blank. So I don't have any. And, and our very special guest this week, Jeff Davis. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, self-help book. Um, typically, I would I would only recommend Alain de Botton in very small doses. I knew that you would have an actually helpful contribution to that <laughs> to that intro. Pinch hitter. You know, sometimes you just gotta you gotta help yourself, and but today you don't have to because we're here to help you. Pick out all the best video games, or stay away from the worst video games. Maybe. I don't know. I don't this know. Is a, yeah, I, I, I personally am here bringing you two very good games, in my opinion. Okay, uh, I see you I have three games listed. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, I see, I see three games, uh, very good games on Alex's list. So. Uh, I see Alex, two. how about you start us off today? <laughs> God, um, we're going to do this, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I played Fall Guys. <laughs> oh, yes. The best, the best video game of 2020. I don't I know guess, if I go that far. Um, no, no, I wouldn't either. So yeah, Andre talked about it last week. Um, kind of for those who didn't listen or those who somehow don't know what it is. It's basically a combination of like Takeshi's Castle or Wipeout or, you know, MXE, which is also Takeshi's Castle, whatever. And then Gang Beasts, I guess, is the closest facsimile. Yep. Um, just in terms of or movement, Human Fall Flat. Or Human Fall Flat is another good one. But just that kind of like very wobbly, wobbly, physics-y movement and like slamming into other people and just like you jump and then you kind of uh, ragdoll and, Getting, you know. Yep get knocked and, out yep and then there's like you go through courses and there's 60 players you being one of them and then it's basically it's a battle royale a battle royale where yeah a certain amount of people are eliminated per round and you move on to the next round and then eventually one person wins and it's all wacky fun and there's like you're going through uh courses with big spinning things that are slamming into you and like uh platforms that are just going crazy and blah 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 um so yeah i played it and then I returned it because <laughs> I don't really like Fall Guys. Um, it's fine. It, it, I think it is the most three out of five game for me ever. Like, it's fine. It is competent. Um, I am happy that the developers are having such a good time and, like, it's, it's so profoundly successful. Like, it's insane to see how many people are talking about it. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Their, their Twitter community person put out a tweet this morning saying, Oh, I, I fell asleep last night and woke up to this and it's like 500 or 600,000 tweets about fall guys in the past hour. So <laughs> like yeah. it's going crazy for them. So for a small team for, 
uh, an indie game. Like Made on awesome. a super tight schedule. Yeah, tight schedule. And like, it, yeah, it's it's very good for them, and it's impressive in that sense. I just don't particularly like playing it. So um, I, I, for me, it's just way too shallow. Like, there's just not enough mm-hmm. going on. Um, like, I, think, I think it's pretty honest about what it is up front. Like, I don't think there's anywhere where it purports to be more than like if you watch the trailer that's the game um and i think that it it's like it's fairly shallow but it's kind of not promising a lot more than what it offers so i think it's a fun game to jump into for like half hour play a few games and then um so i'm enjoying it but i don't i could see why anyone would not be a fan too like it's it's also kind of a specific thing i guess yeah i could see it like yeah I could see it being really awesome if you're couch co-oping it with someone like it's you two split screening and also joining a server and then like uh, laughing all the time and be like, oh, that was great. Oh, did you see that? Oh, they totally flipped and then just like clipped through the world and like the physics went crazy. Ha 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 ha. Like that could be great. But like for me, I just found it boring as a solo player. Like I made it to I think I think the furthest I made it was the fourth round maybe the fifth that's remember. the final one usually is it, i think is it the, uh, i thought I it was the fifth. five rounds there's oh, five, fifth yeah, the last five one. rounds i definitely made it to the fourth i don't think i made it to the last one but and like it's like yeah that's fine but there was no tension it because like for me it feels like you're never truly in control of everything because it throws in enough team games to where it's like well if my team is just total garbo and i had one where yeah like you're trying to push the ball to the end of a maze basically like um yeah, or whatever the, and literally two of my teammates just ran to the end and well, weren't helping so, with the ball so they were running to the end probably to catch the other team's ball when it hits the end of the maze part to try to throw it off um but they did that like right from the start yeah, yeah but you have to kind of you have to kind of sprint down there so that you're there when the other balls make it down that way you're not because there's like a there's like a there's only so many people if everyone just tries to push the ball the ball can get like caught up because it you don't need that many people to move it so so usually a couple people will run down to be blockers for when the other team's balls get to the end and that's i think the issue with the team games is there are strategies you can do like that but the game is like super not clear on like the right ways to play the different modes sometimes. Um, and, well, I mean, that's fine. I don't think there necessarily has to be a right way. Like there's multiple ways you could play things. No, like yeah, that's, that's good. That's good game design in terms of being able to do stuff differently, but there's also zero communication in game. That's at all. I think a better at, way to put it all. is, <laughs> is, is the game doesn't communicate different strategies. You have to figure them out yourself. And then there's no way to communicate with your team really either. So yeah. it makes it difficult. It feels like those game, the team game modes are the, the team game modes are the, are the one thing I really don't like about the game myself. And I think those they're, they're sh- simple and shallow enough that it doesn't feel like you can really learn, uh, the, um, the, the, uh, the skills. Um, but, uh, the, the uh, the other issue is that since you can't communicate, you can't do the kind of esoteric um, uh, stuff that like would be interesting strategically. So yeah, I think the team games definitely are the the biggest struggle. Yeah, and I don't know. Again, for me, it's just a little bit too shallow. 
it, it's fine. It's just, um, <laughs> I don't know how to sound it without sounding rude. It's just like, it feels like, I, I think I said in our group chat that it kind of feels like a college project game to me, which I think there are good college project games, but I mean it in the sense it's like, you're a first or second or maybe third year college student who just started to learn how to do physics programming. And it's like, now I'm going to make a whole game off of the stuff that I learned like in the lesson past rigid bodies. Yeah. And it's like, I yeah, think, I, I, I that's, that's probably, that's pu- probably purely a me thing. Cause I work with code literally every day and have made a lot of games. Yeah. But I write every other day, every day. <laughs> and I don't, I, I wouldn't say that like, since I write every day that I think that's why the last of us two is bad and other people can't see it, you know? Like, so that's why I think that that's like a little bit shaky territory. Cause I think like it can still be fun. It's fine if you just don't like it because you don't like it, I guess is more what I'm getting at. I'm more just saying like it doesn't have to be because you understand it. You know, it's it's also just can be because you don't think it's very good, which is fair. I think Uh, that's not the truth, though. I I think it's good. I just don't like it. Like I can I can make those mutually exclusive thoughts like it's it's good. It it is good. And the people who like it are obviously 100 percent valid in liking it. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't like it. Yeah. yeah. No, (laughs) I I know Andre likes it. So. Yeah, uh, I, I think there is something to like the idea that it's a little shallow. Uh, I'd like more maps to be in there, uh, yeah, or that's at least them really to is. vary when like levels it, can show up. Because there's be nice. like a set, sorry, there's a set number or like a set group that can show up in the final round and like the yeah. second to final round and stuff like that. And if they just went hog wild and any any level could show up in any round. Hmm. I think maybe you'd have to like level that off and be like, okay, this one's not going to show up here because it would be too easy and it would never end or not, you know, there wouldn't be a point, but, or if they added in like power ups or something like Mario Kart style, where as you're going through the course, you're like finding power ups and they, Make yeah, you super ups. fast, but also but, you're falling off and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, like for me, like there was kind of a lack of any kind of balancing. Like for a oh, quick example, yeah. like like it just feels like your character is in there, and every mini game, mini game is just like there's these set. It's it's the same characters. It's the same rules. They're not changing anything for anything. Um, right. And like for the one I ran into was the um, grab the tails off of people one, um, mm. where it's like. Normally in a game, if like the, the very small concept of that mini game is it's a team game, uh, like half of the team has a tail and half of the team doesn't have a tail and you're trying to grab the tails off of other like ed- opposing teams and the, to qualify, you have to be one of the teams with the most tails in the end. Um, that's it. And like, there's no real bounce. There's no, like if you have a tail, you move faster or you move slower it's just you have a tail. It's like not like mm-hmm. if you have a tail, you have any special ability or anything like. And, and again, maybe it's like to some people, like that simplicity is actually desirable. And for me, like I'd and like you can see it. It's like oh, it's about the strategy of placement. It's, a, it's the strategy of I'm going to wait for this person around this corner and jump them or something. Like yeah, I get that. But like in a lot of my in my early rounds, it was just kind of the this like elementary school children playing soccer thing of it's just literally 30 people chasing this one person. (laughs) Yeah. And that's tough. Cause I think there are, I think it is about placement for all of those team modes. And I think that like, if you have two teams that know what they're doing and know how to position, and then it's a battle of positioning, that's interesting. But the problem is since you can't communicate, it makes it hard to set that stuff up 
I don't think I would like that mode more if people with tails were slower necessarily, but yeah. at the same yeah. time, that's the only mode that I kind of like in the team play anyway, because I feel like as an individual, at least I can see where someone might be going and then set myself there. The thing that, that really frustrates me with the other team games, specifically the ball ones with balls um, is that it takes, you move so slow and it takes so long to position yourself. You'll spend 30 seconds getting yourself in position for one play and then the ball will take a bad bounce and then you have to spend another 30 seconds positioning yourself or you'll hit the ball, but there's somebody else there and they'll just knock it back. Like it feels like you have very little agency in those modes to, uh, to, to like do to solve the problem. So I think the things I would like to see that game do is break the team modes out. Cause I'm sure there are people who enjoy them. And if that's the case, cool. Um, break those out of their own hopper. There's clearly enough players. I see why they wouldn't have done that at the start, but there's clearly mm-hmm. enough players that they can make that work. Um, and then expand on the number of games for sure. I think it needs the thing that's going to determine that game's health over the long term is I think how quickly they can rotate in and out new game types. Because if it's yeah. those same game types for the next three months, then it will get stale within a few weeks. I think. Yeah, I think uh, the battle pass is for like two months. I think it's like sixty days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I they and they've got more levels and costumes and features in on their roadmap. But I don't yeah. know if they've detailed when any of that's coming yet. Yeah, but how quickly they can get that stuff. stuff out is going to be important, I think. Yeah, yeah, and especially now, with how hot it is right now. Yeah, yeah they, but it's they definitely, definitely have. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say, with the resources they have, they can definitely like take. They can do whatever they want at this point. They can hire another. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. They this can also isn't probably. like a small dev. This isn't like a small. You know, they're not a huge, but the huge dev, but it's like media, media tonic. Yeah. made like murder by numbers and stuff like that yeah so they're uh, like an established developer yeah and i but i think it's totally what what you're saying alex is totally accurate it is very shallow it is not a deep mechanically rich game by any sense uh i think if you look at that trailer it's i think it's it's very fun in small doses to me it's the perfect game like oh I, we logged off of whatever more serious competitive game we were playing for the night before i go to bed i'm gonna play around or two or fall guys it's that kind of game but I also think, like, if you are looking for that kind of thing, it's fun and it's goofy. Yeah, and there's tons of things we could armchair game design. I'm sure, but like, oh, and I'm yeah. sure I'm, you know, I'm sure they've probably thought of all of the things we could say. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no that's doubt. Almost like one of the things I would and, like is if like to mitigate your your round issues of like, oh, I don't want to play this game. Um, have a Mario Kart Eight style. Um, like everybody kind of votes by putting their person, their avatar onto the thing they want. The only reason that I don't think I like that in theory, but I actually, one of the things that kind of bugs me a little bit about the game is given how thin it is from a, a rules standpoint. I, I, I want them, those games to just happen as quick as possible. I don't mm-hmm. want to say, I, I want the next round to just start and go. Cause yeah. that was actually something it's less of an issue in the full release, but in the beta, I was like, it takes a long time to find a match and for it to get going, uh, given how fast they go and how simple they are. And the fact that mm-hmm. you can just have a bad bounce on the first track and need to find a new match. Um, yeah, but uh, but that's better in the in the full release. The matchmaking is pretty quick now. So if the servers are working, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. just because also of how, a ton of how popular issues. it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's 
this is like its first weekend uh where it's available yeah, yeah. like so widely some, so it's if you it's a, the, it's a the, problem the reviews on steam are are mostly positive right now again i don't put a ton of stock in user reviews uh but the, they're mostly positive and largely the complaints are the team games are frustrating and the servers so definitely anyways do you think you'll play it jeff yeah, so this this is interesting um, because I was looking. It's on PS Plus right now. Yes, and yes. Which is great. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like sitting here, and usually, you know, with with PS Plus, the only ones that I don't download um, are like the the COD ones because I'm uh, I break out in hives if I play a COD. Uh, <laughs> and like on one hand, I'm like, this is really cute. Like, I'm very charmed by yeah, the the charming. character the design and that kind of thing. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's very interesting. And then I read that it was like sort of this multiplayer game. And then the, the misanthropy kicked in. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm like, Oh, uh, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this uh, with other people. Like, I, I think maybe uh, I'm, it seems like a game and, and I really agree with your use case, uh, Alex, where if, if it's couch co-op, like I could see this being a game changer as far as like, you know, like a Mario party kind of a th- kind of thing where like sure. if they develop it a little bit more and they add a little bit more depth, um, like as far as couch co-op stuff, this would be, this would be fantastic. Um, I always get a little, a little dicey about the, the necessity of communication, especially when it comes to tactical coordination uh, within multiplayer gaming, given that that's a really fraught side of communication for a lot of folks. Um, and that's just my own experience with like Apex Legends or Overwatch speaking. Sure. Um, but um, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm also not going to just completely blanket say that oh we can't have tactical coordination at all you all got to guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, i hear what you're saying for sure um so yeah, yeah um it sounds it sounds fascinating um i don't know if i'm gonna try it i think i'm gonna wait like kind of s- like what i did with Fortnite. it's just sort of like i'm gonna wait i would this. say from that perspective one nice feature of it is it actually doesn't even show you the names of other competitors unless you push a button so from the, I don't know if that was done for streamers. Um, I, I I imagine that was part of it so that people can not, you know, stream show the names of the them. people they're playing with and, yeah. and to make it harder to, to, to stream snipe too. But it, it does have the nice side effect of if you are someone who doesn't enjoy playing with other people, if that's a helpful barrier for you, um, it exists. And then the fact that there is just no communication at all, because like I, for example, um, have been playing with complete respect to anyone who finds uh, Call of Duty <laughs> very <laughs> unpleasant, um, because it is unpleasant in many ways, not to mention the the whole war crimes thing. Um, but but uh, I have been playing Modern Warfare with friends uh, quite a bit because they just built new PCs, and one of the things that one of them was not is not a fan of competitive multiplayer gaming typically. Um, but I was like, you know, other than the fact that people often have awful usernames mixed in with like porn star names um, that you can actually turn off voice and text chat in that game. And I think more features like that are good for multiplayer games. Cause I have the problem of voice chat gives me um, fairly bad anxiety and it's, you, I can get over it, 
but then every time I try to get over it, I just get called awful things and, and it's awful experience. And then like I, try, I, I got very into Valorant for about a week and then I had a run of five games where I got called slurs and stuff in a row. Uh, and I was like performing better than the people that were yelling at me, literally yelling at me. So like, yeah, I uninstalled that game for that reason. And I think building more games with in mind with without needing that communication in mind um, is good. And also to find ways to provide like Modern Warfare is an interesting example because it has modes that are it has a mode that is Counter-Strike that you have to communicate at that level mm-hmm. to play effectively. But you can mm-hmm. also just not put that mode in the hopper, turn off all the chat and play like a team deathmatch. So I would like to see more okay. of that. And I think Fall Guys is an interesting example of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I and I think there's a deeper discussion there, um, but uh, I, I don't want to uh, slow yeah, us down here, um, especially about, about like communication and yeah, about <laughs> communication, trust in gaming, and technical coordination. Um, as as a person who is strangely stuck in 2002 with Unreal Tournament, um, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. 2002 was a good good time in it was a good time. gaming. It was it was a good time. <laughs> You could play Dota All-Stars, and you could play <laughs> Unreal Tournament, and you could play Quake still. Yeah. You know, you can, you can when still else play was Quake. a good time? I know you can. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the year, was it 2012? Is that, is that the year the, that I'm thinking of for, for our next be. game? It might be. But also before that, um, okay, I, Jeff, I do agree that one of the things I might do is also wait and yeah. like i'm still going to pick it up on ps plus and just have it in the account so in the event that in a year it's a way better game or not a way better game a more appropriate game for what i'm interested in sure. then at least it's there so i i i hope for its continued success i'm just not going to play yeah. it for until 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 also <laughs> on it Big being same. cute i typically find um games that that are largely aesthetic and that lean on a cute aesthetic to be fairly off-putting to me. In this case, this is an exception. I adore everything about the visuals of this game and the characters. And I want the main, I want to get all the costumes because they're all very adorable and I want to look at them in the character select menu. So they're basically basically ice cream personified. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I was like going to ask: ice Are they ice beans. cream or potatoes? I can't tell. <laughs> yeah. They they refer to them as jelly beans. They're, oh, jelly beans! That's a good one, actually. The Gordon I've, Freeman costume is very, very good. It's very good. I've got the mm-hmm. Alex top. I'm I don't have the bottom. I'm but, not good enough at it to get those. <laughs> but speaking those speaking good. speaking of potatoes and ice cream as mutually exclusive things, Monty Valles, who will be a guest on this show in a few weeks, spoilers, um, was just recently did a uh, road trip from West Coast to East Coast because she's moving to New York. And I think, I don't remember if she stopped in Idaho, maybe, that she had like a potato. Ice cream potato. An ice cream potato. Yeah. Like you can find it on her Twitter where it's like a baked potato on the bottom, but like then a bunch of ice cream. It's like an ice cream sundae, but the base is a potato. And she said... (laughs) A, it's the most white person thing she's ever had. She's not. She's not white. And yeah. B, it was fucking awesome. Is what she said. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. we'll have to ask her about that when she's here. Yeah, I'll have to ask if it's worth braving the the horrors of Idaho for me to pop over there and get ice cream potato and COVID. You make your own. Like I don't. 
No, and get potatoes. That's not the kind of thing you want to bring into your house. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the energy you want to bring. No, to your you kitchen. don't want to. Because once you make one ice cream potato, then you're like, well, I can make it again. If you if you make that stay in Idaho, I got this whole five pound bag of potatoes. <laughs> this twenty bag, twenty, 20 pound. G- that's the size you buy. Twenty gallon thing of ice cream. <laughs> if you give a mouse a a ice cream potato. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I think um, I think uh, that's actually in the DLC for Frog Fractions is you <laughs> sell ice cream potatoes instead of lemonade. Is that what you want to talk and about? All right. I mean, I, I mean, it looks I like mean, you want to talk about it. Yeah, I thought I thought <laughs> the 2012. The that's interesting because I thought your 2012 reference was to Trackmania. But <laughs> no, um, no, it, it was Frog Fractions. <laughs> I was playing both Frog Fractions and Trackmania in 2012. So yeah, same. That's where I thought that was going. Um, yeah, no. Um, Frog Fractions Game of the Decade Edition uh, came out on Steam last week. I think. Yeah, last week. Yeah, sure. Or this week, I think it launched this week. It was up on Steam for like wishlist stuff, but it launched this week, I believe. Sure. Yeah. Either way, I played it this week. Um, and for those not in the know, Frog Fractions is an educational an game, game, and that's all. In yep in made in the flash engine. Um, so it's very and simple. That is going away later this year. Yep. So that is why, uh, creators, oh. uh, twin beard ported it over to steam into like some native client. And, uh, yeah. So the entire game is available on steam for free, which is excellent. Um, and there is also a $9 DLC you can get, which gives the frog a hat. Which is on sale for eight dollars right now. Yeah, it definitely um, only gives you a hat, nothing else. That's it. Yeah. Yep. So definitely. I don't know. For a hat? Wink, wink. Uh, I don't know how oh. to talk about Frog Fractions because Jeff, do you know what Frog Fractions is? Uh, all I know is that everyone speaks extraordinarily cryptically about this edutainment game, and that's Which, just, that's giving me Doki Doki Literature Club vibes. Uh, um, uh, it, it is a precursor to that in some ways, yeah. It is um, Doki. It is it in in some ways, but also it's a little less. Um, I, I it's think much more lighthearted. Yes. The yes. Thing okay. With DLC is I actually think you, there are some content warnings you need going into that that are hard to like. You kind of like kind of give up the goose if you provide those content warnings but also they're kind of necessary because there's some stuff in there whereas hard fractions i can just say to everyone just go just play it just go play it yeah and from fraction yeah it's 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 relatively wholesome um the whole way through except for some stuff that depends on your views on things but uh it's it's fine (laughs) um so yeah that makes it really hard to talk around Yes. Because I'm, I'm also I mean, spoiler proof too, so I'm okay if you want like, to talk about it. The whole thing about frog fractions is subversion, right? Like mm-hmm. when you played it in 2012 and someone just handed you this link of whatever twinbeard.com slash frog fractions, here you play this educational game, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm totally eating these bugs and collecting these apples. Cool. Um you're like, oh yeah. And then the surprise is when it is no just, longer that. Yeah, there's just there's like, just a moment. It's, yeah, it's one of those games where you go, okay, okay, I don't know why you sent this to me, and you close it, and then you hear people talking about it. Like two months later, you go, why are people talking about this thing so weirdly? Yeah. Yeah. And then you yeah. go and you try it again. And you go, 
Oh. And I mean, it's so an easy, I think an easy one to talk about without ruining the thing. Cause I also am, am wary of ruining the thing for the, the new DLC. Cause I haven't had a chance to take a look at it. And I'm a fan of the series. Yeah. I actually never even played frog fractions Two. I just remembered to buy it. So I, do it frog fractions but, 2 was the friends we made along the way to frog, the, frog fractions that's three. three to frog fractions three yeah. sorry i didn't play frog <laughs> fractions three so a less spoilery way because it's just there on the steam page if you look at it if you were to purchase the frog fractions cinematic universe bundle mm-hmm. you would receive the iconic cap dlc for yep. the new for the, the 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 re-release of frog fractions and you would also receive a game called glitter mitten grove and so there was a kickstarter for frog fractions 2 and um, the Jim Stormdancer, right? I yeah, so. I don't know if that's his actual name. It's his Twitter name, at least. Yeah, it's, and I also believe that's what he goes by from a developer perspective. But anyway, um, they put out, they did this this Kickstarter, and it was like, well, doesn't it having a Kickstarter ruin the concept of Frog Fractions? Because you, then you know you're kickstarting a thing. And Twinbeard was like, well. Nah. Jim Crawford. Jim Crawford. Jim Crawford. Jim Crawford was like, nah, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. It'll be interesting. Well, and then there was a yeah. huge ARG that involved people like him and some actors showing up on a street, and I think it was San Francisco or Oakland, and then being kidnapped by like time police while while some backers stood there and watched, and there was like this, <laughs> there's video of it. There's like this whole performance <laughs> art piece. And then um eventually people got sent keys for this game called Glitter Mitten Grove, which they kind of framed as like, this is a, well, this happened, I think afterwards, because the thing that he said was, I will not announce what the game, you have to find Frog Fractions 2 or Frog Fractions 3. Once it is found, I will, I will give it up. I will say, yes, there it is. And people will get their game. But until oh, right. then. Okay. So, right, right, so, right. so basically it involved a lot of people just looking at Steam new releases and being like, is this Frog Fractions? Is this Frog Fractions? <laughs> like in for like almost a year. Yeah. Like, this wow. was and there was on. a long time. Then this Glitter Mitten Grove game came out, which this is only like not a spoiler now because he said this is what it is and you get it in this bundle. But it's this like kind of weird management game where you manage like a, a fairy colony in a forest yep. and then eventually something happens like if dig you dig underground buy, if, or something yeah if you dig underground far enough then and it's like a it's like a very simple but competent management game and then if you dig underground far enough then suddenly it turns into frog fractions yeah and <laughs> so then, that, then all the frog and, fraction stuff you want to have happen happens. and it's and it's very wild so it's you that's can just kind of like your mass top. effect to save yep so wow in, in, from what i have heard <laughs> without support yeah you can import your mass you effect can. to save uh wait well, yeah that's that, a real that, thing I, you can do uh, yeah it has an actual <laughs> um <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> yeah, so so you should you should play Frog Fractions. I think you, Jeff, in particular, should play the Cinematic Universe bundle. Um, yeah, and and it, it sounds like people who are interested should play the uh, the iconic Cap yeah, DLC. I, and fans yeah. of the series should uh, one, play with the iconic one, Cap on. One Ben Pack put it in a very good but still cryptic way. I think, which um, he said uh, that. <laughs> The, the the iconic cap DLC is the frog fractions of frog fractions, um, yeah. which is a, which is, which is, that's what has my interest peaked to play it, even though I kind of have an inkling as to what it is. 
Uh, so yeah, uh, there yeah. are news stories out there saying what it is, but if you don't know what it is, then <laughs> yeah, right. I, I still think it is worth going in fresh. Yeah. I mean, at this point, everyone knows that the DLC is a thing. So like, and if you're get the, the only problem I have with frog fractions, like uh, it's not even a problem. Um, it's a, a mental state of mind is that like, again, we get back to the, you, you play it that first time and it subverts your expectations and you're like, huh, but you can only capture that lightning in a bottle once. As soon as anything else has the name frog fractions on it, you know, you, you have that expectation set in mind. Yeah. So it's like, it's not as organic. Like it, it does and, weird stuff yeah. and you're like, oh, that was clever. And that was cool. It's not like, what the fuck is this game? It's like, no, it's a known quantity that it's going to be a, what and, the fuck is this game? I think it's worth saying too. It's good because it does even knowing that it's there's something weird there mm-hmm. you're still going to go in as long as you don't see it all laid out and go oh my god now this what this is ridiculous but i don't think any of it is particularly good other than being funny like it's it's yeah. the things that it does i don't know that i think they are the writing is very good throughout it that's the thing yeah um but this, but but mechanically it's never a game that i go like oh i got to go back and and play frog fractions cuz it it's so there's, good. There's some mechanical depth to this one. I won't say how or why. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. No, I don't, but, but, don't want to know, but that's interesting. But once, maybe once we're a month or two out, I can start drawing some comparisons. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. So, Anyways, uh, outside of the, outside of the surprise element, like the, the novelty element, uh, the twist, um, is there, is there stuff to dig into after the twist? Like once you're once you're starting to exp- once you're looking for the subversion, I think is what I'm trying to say. The, the twist. Um, <laughs> um, okay, good. That's, so that's, that kind, of, that's kind of answer. the answer to that question, good. really. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. All right. So, so that that's further convincing because I, I don't want yeah. it to be like, you know, I'm M. Night Shyamalan, the video game. No, it's not like um, that at all. I wouldn't say it's, it's that. Okay. I can see why you would think that, but it's definitely not. It is, it is definitely okay. a a journey for sure. I I can't, I can only, I can't personally, I can only speak to the first game, the the original frog fractions, but it's, it's not a one trick frog. No, I know. Here's one, like there's one thing I do want to talk about and I don't think it's a spoiler at all. Um, You know, with the original frog fractions, there's the art of the game. And like, yeah. there's a very cartoony frog. Like it looks like an MECC game and it like has the big tongue. Yeah. You get into the game and it's literally just like a, an actual like cut out of Sprite of an actual photograph of a frog basically, but yeah. it's also yeah. like colored in for style. Um, they play into that and yeah. like mm. the box art frog versus real life frog. They, they kind of get into that kind of stuff, which is very funny. Um, Interesting. They, they get into like how you can sign your name on that ID on in the first game um and there's some pretty oh. funny, there's some pretty funny jokes about that uh like the, okay. it, it is worth playing the first game um it doesn't make that many references to the second game which i did finish uh back when it came out um like there's some but it didn't seem as compelling as the first game necessarily but it was it was okay i wouldn't yeah. say it was great it, i I, th- I think this dlc is better because it's shorter <laughs> yeah um, because frog fractions og is great because you can probably get through it in like an hour maybe an hour if and a half yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's short yeah for sure. and, and oh, okay frog fractions 2 was maybe like eight to ten hours and that could get a bit well, draining what? i think yeah it's, I'd a, have it's, to a, it's kind of a long game <laughs> news to me yeah it 
Uh, yeah. What well, we don't have to get into it because, uh, yeah, I, I've seen. I know a lot about that that second Frog Fractions video game, and um, that's part of why I didn't play it is because it seemed like a larger thing than I was interested in engaging with at the time. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. And, and this one is short. Like I got through it in probably about two hours in cool. including the after credits sequence, which I've, <laughs> that's all I'll say. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah, anyway. it's, it's, it's worth checking out. If you haven't played frog fractions, it's still, I think it holds up in a lot of ways just because it's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Great. Yeah, people should check it out. People should play frog fractions. Yeah. It's free. It's the free. frog free. fractions game of the decade edition is free. I, I do need I do need to to bone up on my fractions. I mean, I've been yeah. in humanities too long. That is, I've there's a lot I've of forgotten. Fractions. There's actual fractions in it. That's for yeah. sure. There's you a lot will of learn them. some and practice some real fractions. Awesome. Yeah, we'll get some uh, business practice in there too. We uh, talk about wrestling. Oops. Anyways, um, <laughs> speaking of 2012, though, Andre. <laughs> Uh, uh, I think. Uh, hmm? What? What do you want to talk about? Trackmania? Hell yeah! For like twenty. Okay. Seconds. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's still Trackmania. Trackmania continues to be really good, y'all. Um, though the only issue I'm finding is uh, servers are getting less populated. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting bored. Which to be is honest. par for the course with Trackmania. Yeah, I, I feel like it's the same tracks. Well, every time I log in, it's the same tracks, and I don't think that they're particularly fun to play on all the servers yeah. that I frequent. Yeah, I, I think there needs to be some time for people to get real wild with their yeah, stuff. Yeah, and like still like to make good weird tracks as opposed to just like bullshit. Yeah. Oh, totally. And there's there's a lot of bullshit tracks, but I've actually there's some I've run into which I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what I want out of Trackmania. It's just that now yeah. there's fewer people playing it, so you don't get the the kind of group joy of seeing like going through your first time through a map and seeing 40 people slam into a wall at the same time. Cause we didn't know that we were not supposed to take this turn kind of stuff, like, which is pretty funny. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Trackmania continues to be really good. That's all we really need to say, I guess. All right. Well, going back to like even further, maybe what? 2010. Is that when, when was 2010? When was that first Avengers movie? Oh, uh, I think, right? I think it was, Mm, the first Avengers, yeah. 2011? But you kind of got to go back to Iron Man, right? And that uh, do was you? That, yeah. I mean, oh, this was 2012. It was 2012, too. No, Iron, we're, we're sticking yeah. right in 2012. Yeah. Iron we're not Man going anywhere. <laughs> Iron Man got a game. So did Captain America, the yeah. first Avenger. That yeah, got a Iron, game. Man, Iron Man got this a game. Is... It's coming out soon. It's in VR. No, that is out. Wait, out. Really? It's like top of the charts in like, oh, Europe. Or I've heard really good things about it, actually. It's supposedly right. quite good. Cool. I thought it was I mean, next week. I mean, literally, the last Avengers game I played was literally Captain America and the Avengers. I think uh, that was the last one they made. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there's like Marvel Heroes and stuff, but that's the, like, they stopped doing tie-ins. That's uh, only after, because this, like, game has been in, this game has been in Wait. development for like... Wait. Six isn't, years. Isn't, isn't Captain America and the Avengers the the arcade game from like the early nineties? Oh, yes. So. yes, yes, okay. that is. Uh, that's what I'm that thinking game, about. That, that game slaps. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That oh yes, game. it's awesome. It's kind of like the it's a beat 'em up basically. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like yeah. the yeah. arcade game or the Simpsons. It, it's it's good. so good. Anyways, okay. Yes. okay, so what if they took like a beat 'em up arcade game, but then made it over the shoulder 
and like in the year 2020 and it was the, all the Avengers, but it was bad. <laughs> bad is a little harsh, but it certainly has, it is, it wasn't even. good. I would say it's uneven. Um, before we get it, yeah, into any so, of this, before we get into any of this, Sam is not here. He's the biggest Avengers fan. His thought on it to start is quote, I'm happy with it. Looking forward to full release even more. You, so I love, I love Sam dearly as a close personal friend. <laughs> like I think of Sam as family. So this is not a, this is not digging on Sam. This, that is what he would have said about this game. <laughs> no matter what it was. <laughs> he does like Marvel quite a lot. He did. I also like Marvel Peter quite a lot because of, I, of Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, uh, I also well, like a whole other thing we'll talk about Marvel quite a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, not, uh, that's a whole other thing. I, uh, I, I, uh, would say that it is a game that I am enjoying, but I also don't think it's particularly good. So see, it's uh, like the opposite a, of me and fall guys as, as a, <laughs> Fairly, not as big a Marvel fan as Sam, but a fairly big Marvel fan. Um, I, I would say that uh, it's it's not a very good game, but I'm I'm also going to play it still. It's yeah. So this uh, this weekend is the closed beta for Marvel's Avengers by Crystal Dynamics, uh, that just which has been me, in development for some that, time. That just made me realize. Pat, you are the ideal customer for Crystal Dynamics. This game's bad, but I'm going to play it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat solidarity. I mean, right I'm here. also probably going to play the atrocious PlayStation 4 version of it because I want to be able to play a Spider-Man. Um, yeah. Which is like, I hate it. I hate yeah. I hate that. It is, we can get into, we can play, talk about that part in news later. But yeah, um, I am excited to... Um, not have a good time with the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. But, but sorry for interrupting Andre. What were you going to say about? Oh yeah. No, I was just kind of, you know, well, what are we talking about? We're talking about this new Avengers game that has, in my opinion, shown pretty poorly up until recently. Oh yeah. Uh, like every, but it is still basically exactly what I thought it was ever, ever since they did that first reveal, like two years ago, I think was that when it was? Yeah. Two years yeah. ago at E3 in that really bizarre presentation where they're like, yeah, and here's all the Avengers <laughs> all and here's who's here's a video of them, of the actors sitting on a couch <laughs> talking about <laughs> what makes each Avenger unique. And I, was it, I really was need it to know no one knows like, well, Tony Stark is interesting because he he's like he wears this mask where he's like he's Iron that Man and he's Tony. So funny. It, it was just it like, was like they were acting like we haven't spent yes, more than a decade. With the exception of Laura Bailey, who I feel like kind of already was there. Uh, everyone else was like, I haven't heard of these characters until they put the script in front of me. What interesting original characters. <laughs> Just, yeah. 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 Actually, no, like, actually, Nolan, so, we've been exploring that that issue with uh with Iron Man for like the past sixty years, but <laughs> thanks for joining us. But everyone knows about it in the last decade. Yeah. And it's just I do love Nolan uh, North. But so okay, Pat, there was some very directed language you used, and I'm curious. 
I know the answer. This is for the audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you referenced the uh, the atrocious PS4 version. What makes the PS4 version so atrocious? So well, I I need to be what, careful. What frame rate does movie do movies play at? Did they think this was? Did they think this was a movie? Is that why this game runs <laughs> so I, bad? So I want to preface this with like I I keep doing this in our chat because I don't want to come off as the like as like a a, a like PC like snob. Um, I play most games on PC. Um, I am privileged to be able to afford to have a pretty beefy PC so I can play most stuff that comes out um, at, at pretty high specs with really high frame rates. And I'm aware that that's like um, something that not everyone a has access to or B cares to, to invest in. And that's totally fair. And I don't want to like, if you look at Avengers and go, I think this looks fine, that it's totally valid. And it's good. I'm glad I wish I could view it with those eyes personally. Um, when I look at that game, it, looks like a sludgy mess to me. Um, like the visuals are not particularly good. Um, there's nothing in the, in the, I don't think the character models look particularly good. I think the hair is weird as hell. It does not look good at all. Um, it's very like PS three. There's no physics on it. They don't and, have NVIDIA hair works. Very PS three <laughs> is how I would describe a lot of how that game looks to me. The textures yeah. are pretty poor. The, um, the the models in the environment are extremely simple. It's a lot of boxes. Um, and the art design in general feels really generic to me, like really, really, really simple and, and not um, interesting. And uh, then it also runs like shit. So I don't understand where, like what's going on. Um, like it, what it does is so, on PC, it has um, per-object reflections and per-object motion blur that look make it look considerably better. Um, on console, it doesn't have those things, really. Um, and yet, it still has this weird like micro-stutter thing happening where it consistently runs at around like 23 frames per second, um, which is not good if you are in it's in the war zone areas it's in the mission i think it's in the story missions that it consistently runs at a poor frame rate but it's Mm. playable it's very playable in the story missions it's like yeah after i was playing it for like 15 minutes i kind of my brain kind of did the like okay this is the frame rate we're running at and i was able to deal with it there were still moments where i was like oh why i don't this should be smoother but i could live with it when you and so when I finished the story stuff, I was like, well, it doesn't run great. It doesn't look great. It, it, I still enjoy the combat and some of the set piece stuff is fun. And I like the characters. I like the performances, even though I think the writing is like they it feels and I don't want to bash the writing staff too much, but it feels like they read a collection of different comic books and then kind of cut and paste dialogue from them without really understanding the intent behind mm-hmm. a lot of that dialogue. Um in I mean, saying of, you like the performances of Laura Bailey, Nolan North, yeah, Troy yeah, Baker. Exactly. Like. <laughs> I mean, these are fantastic performers. Yeah, and yeah. so I and I and I like the character that they bring to the um, the heroes. So that's the thing I think that's going to pull me through the experience, because I, I really like their interpretations of these characters, even if I think the writing is a little flat. But when I got through that campaign stuff last night and into the like 
Avengers initiative, because this game is really two games. It's a single player story driven game where you play through a plot, bringing the Avengers back together, which I'm interested to play through. That's the reason why I'm like, I'm going to get this game and enjoy it, because that seems, again, not great writing so far, but I think it's passable and it'll be fun. Um, But then after that, the idea is that it turns into a destiny and you're doing repeatable um, like semi-open world missions and then smaller repeatable things, either cooperatively or solo and um, kind of grinding out loot and, uh, and stuff for your characters, which is sort of present in the campaign, but doesn't matter as much. It doesn't feel like, and a lot of those systems, I actually like the way they're implemented. I think the loot is more interesting in this game than it is in some other games that have just tacked that on. Um, I think the skill tree system when I got have gotten skill points, I've actually had to stop and go, I don't know, all of these sound kind of cool, which what do I want to get the skill point in? So that stuff is pretty interesting. And I think the combat is just interesting enough. I need to play it at harder difficulties. I actually think at harder difficulties, it could be challenging in a way that makes you really think about skill and gear set. Mm-hmm. But the problem is those Warzone missions suck from what I've seen. <laughs> They're just terrible. Like suck. It's like they, first of all, so they're again, sort of semi open worlds. It drops you in. And this is actually a a concept that I think is cool. It drops you into a pretty large space. Um, We're talking like maybe the size of, I would say even bigger than like a battlefield map. Um, Hmm. It's pretty, pretty big chunks of, of territory. And you have an, an objective that's kind of far away. And then on the way there, there's little things for you to stop and grab. Um, Again, almost kind of like destiny mission zones to an extent, Um, except that they're just for you. You're not seeing other players move around except for the the people either playing with you or your AI companions. Um, And you might stop and like, oh, there's a bunker here. We're going to go in and get this chest. And oh, there's there's some some enemies here. We're going to fight them. But the problem is that the mission design is from what I've seen so far, maybe it'll be different in the final game. The mission design is you're dropped in. You have to run half a kilometer. You go there, you beat some guys up done. That's the mission. There's no like depth at all to the mission structure whatsoever. Um, and at that point it's like, well, what are we, why am I doing this? Why didn't just put me in the, put me in a room with guys and let me fight them then. And then maybe it won't run like absolute ass. Uh, because um. like, that's the other issue is they run, it runs so poorly that I, there was a point in the, in this New York mission that I did, I was in a back alley and it like dropped the resolution, the like render resolution to compensate and try to get the frame rate up. And it looked like, like a, almost like a PS2 game well, for a second. Pat, you're obviously, I know what your problem is. You're playing on a launch PS4, right? No, I'm on a PS4 pro. <laughs> So oh. this is not oh, no. main performance mode because I'm I, it's plugged into a 1080p monitor. So like, yeah, it it was like someone like got behind the screen and rubbed Vaseline all over it. <laughs> like it got this like greasy look, and I couldn't see what was happening. I just kept mashing buttons, which works because the combat's really simple, oh, and it man. still ran at like. 15 frames per second. So are, are you are you sure you weren't playing the Stadia version and your network hiccuped? That's what it looked like. <laughs> that's the thing. And that's what it, that's the, like, I can put up with the basic level design to a degree. 
like that's fine. I don't need, I love these characters. I, they, so like each character has a battle pass. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to mean for like what? purchasing. I have no idea if they're going to charge <laughs> you per character. I don't think they will. I, I think not. these are like, no, I think uh, every character is free. Yeah. I so, mean, all the characters I, are free forever. It's all the post release. Also too. not clear if that stuff, like, cause none of the stuff you get in the beta carries over into the full game. So right. it's not clear if any of that stuff is timed. You're getting challenge points by doing daily and weekly challenges with those yes. characters. And those are how you level up the pass. Yeah. And there's like currency and a skin in there and like, yeah, uh, I, so name cards, things like that. I don't think they're going to charge you for those battle passes. I think the only thing they're going to charge you for is boosts. Um, and then also, uh, skin, just skins and that's fine. I actually think that that works in this game because if you want to look like Hulk from issue 87 of planet Hulk or whatever, then you can, um, like they're, they're, they're doing very specific skins. The stuff in the beta is pretty meh, but, um, they have shown some skins coming after release that are, that are pretty cool. <clears throat> so, and I think people will buy them enough to kind of fund further development of the game. And it sounds like all the gameplay relevant stuff will be free. I assume I cannot believe that they will charge you per character for battle passes. That's no, I don't sound that uh, impossible to me, even with as bad as the business around this game is. That seems like too much. Um, But um, so because uh, like I could deal with the mission structure of I'm going to I'm going to grind out Captain America's battle pass. I'm going to put a podcast or a movie on and sit and just like brawler my way through a bunch of enemies. But it has to run like if it's if the game is like upsettingly poor in its performance, then I I don't know how to I mean, that doesn't work. Um, And I think what's so frustrating is because of the business that they've built up around this game. Like, yes, I could just go play it on my PC. But then I can't play. I mean, well, and we'll have to talk about. We'll talk about this a little more news. But then I can't play as my favorite character in the Marvel universe. And I could start on PC, but then when PS Five comes out and maybe it runs better there, if I end up getting one of those, then I've started on PC and I can't carry my progress back over into that. So, like, I guess I'm just gonna suffer on PS Four and play a pretty shitty version of the game. Because at some point I want to play as Spider-Man on the PS5. Like, it just feels so bad. It's such a... Like, I can't express enough how much I wish... I hope people don't buy this game or play it, even though I'm going to buy it and play it. Because (laughs) I'm just like... It sucks. It sucks so much. So, have they they clarified, like... Are there going to be raids in this? Like, like yes, I'm, yes, I'm, okay. or not raids, but end game cooperative content where they're like they uh, call them raids, but they've got a variety of end game content that end game you can content. do. They've not also said more content. Yeah. Oh ho ho! <laughs> they uh, also said that they won't call them raids because they have a cooler name for them. Oh God! <laughs> Why? Uh, one thing they have said is. They are aware of the performance issues with performance mode on the PS4 Pro and are going to be hopefully getting that ironed out before launch. And like, who knows how old this beta is? Maybe it could be like a month old or something. So and like the last 90% of the game comes together. Like the last 10% is the hardest bit of the game to get together. Yeah. But I, I'm hopeful it, that it's real rough. It sounds like this may actually be the, 
the demo that they showed people a year ago. So it, hmm. I don't think the build is necessarily a year old, but um, I I, stum- I stumbled on a digital foundry um, like re- like preview and hmm. I was like, oh, they played the beta and they were talking about all of the same stuff from that we're playing. Like it sounded, it, the conversation was like, oh yeah, this is, they played in the press beta last week. And then they said, well, it still has a year to go. And I looked at the date of the video and it was actually <laughs> from 2019. So, mm. um, so it sounds like this could be potentially a pretty old build and maybe the then, performance issues will be worked out. Then why put it at like why put that out unless it's like the matchmaking in this for the multiplayer stuff is atrocious and in my experience it doesn't work i yeah. got into like one game with another person and they have four, you can't double up characters so you can't have like four hulks or like you know two iron men and like a black widow and a kamala khan or whatever so you have to get someone playing each different character but i was waiting for like a group so I was like, okay, whatever, let's see what this matchmaking is. Waiting for like 10 minutes, and I got like a Hulk. And then nobody else. And like, okay, well, can we start? It's like, nope, someone's trying to join your game. I'm, like, I'm sitting on this menu screen for 10 minutes. Yeah. And then eventually, and- I'm like, okay, finally let's start. And then it crashed. And it's like, nope, you're disconnected. Networking stuff, I can forgive a little more than, like, I'm, I'm just, I just don't know oh, how yeah. much to believe that they're going to get the performance in line. And I wouldn't even really care personally that much if it weren't for all of the other marketing bullshit around this game. Because to me, it's mm-hmm. like if you I mean, and, and to Sony too, not just to, to Crystal Dynamics, but if you're going to do the kind of deals that they're doing, you kind of have a responsibility to make your platform at least a competent place to play the game. And mm-hmm. I, I like a responsibility to people who are going to buy it based on the fact that you're locking yeah. a bunch of shit up. So um. I don't really know what I mean to me it's a it's it's a pretty clear like man fuck Sony right now and this is not a great way to kick off the next generation I certainly don't have any warm feelings about them right now um it if it, it and it's 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 just kind of a crappy state of affairs I think um but like the performance of a side the game could be a good foundation i think the mission design stuff that i'm talking about is the kind of thing that if at launch it's a bunch of boring grindy missions that could kind of suck but if they take that platform like i said there's a lot of interesting things i think happening around the periphery of what's going on um and i think it could be in ways that are better than like an anthem to me anthem's problems seemed very apparent from the first trailer that they showed like when they were first talking about it, I was like, I don't know. This doesn't look, this looks very half baked to me. And Avengers doesn't necessarily feel half baked. I mean, it's subjectively, I think people, there are people who just won't like it, but it doesn't necessarily feel half baked to me in terms of the way that the loot and skill progression works. It's just that the mission design is not good for the repeatable stuff that they've shown in the beta. And like, that's who knows. And I should also say, I've played two of the Warzone missions. They were almost identical. I don't even really know what I did in them because there was a marker on screen and I ran towards it and then I fought some people and then it was done. Um, you probably stood on some platforms. I think I did. Meter go up. And yeah, then I think I stood on... stood on those platforms and then their meter started yes. going up and you had to stand yes. out instead. And yes, yeah. yes. 
Which actually, the area control stuff is the one interesting thing in the missions that I think it's it actually plays kind of like a domination mode in like a in like a Call of Duty or Battlefield or whatever, where you have to capture points and then the AI tries to take them from you. That was actually kind of cool. I will I will hand it to them. Um, but uh, maybe I'll play a few missions today and I'll go. Oh, this is actually really interesting. But they gotta get that performance someplace that's playable. Like they need to find a. a, a middle ground between performance and, and visuals because it looks bad too. If it looked really yeah. good, I could say, well, we can take a hit on some of these reflections and particle effects, but that stuff doesn't look good. So I don't understand no. where the performance is going. Um, and yeah. and that needs to be sorted, I think, because at 60 so. frames per second, the combat feels good. There's little moments where you get small in small rooms with like two or three enemies and you do one combo and it's like, Oh, actually when this is running smoothly, it's not very deep, but it's interesting and kind of, or it feels good, I should say. Um, and I just want more of that, I guess. So, so I, yeah, oops, sorry, go, go for it, Jeff. Um, well, I, I was going to ask Pat. Um, so it, it, everything I've seen about this game and everything that you're saying, it seems like this game it, on, on one hand, it's really unfortunate that like, this is the the game that we get Kamala Khan being something other than a side character that you can collect in Ultimate Alliance. And she's great um, in it too, I should say. Oh, so, she's she's the best course. writing, the best writing of any of the characters that I've seen. Yeah, <sighs> that's that's doubly discouraging <laughs> because yeah. it's like, oh, okay, Kamala Khan's great, but their game's shit. Yeah, um, and she's center too. For sure. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, but one one thing that I wanted to ask is that um, I wonder if this game is gonna. Um, if it's going to suffer from the agents of shield problem, by which I mean having to straddle that weird liminal space between comics and translating comics for a more generalized audience that are used to the cinema. And that actually helps, you know, create this sort of weird place that agents of shield sort of was in where it was yeah. like, it couldn't decide which one it wanted to be. And it didn't play. It didn't end up pleasing either one. Um, apologies to agents of shield fans. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's very good. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. So, that's the same yeah. issue that I had with it. Um, do, do you it, get that feeling it, from, sto- mm, I, I don't think they're trying to like, they're not definitely not trying to pull and be like, Oh, Hey, the MCU, remember that they want to be their own thing. Yeah. And they're setting themselves up where they can pull in anyone from Marvel that they want. And just like, we're pulling them in and they've got a story and then you can take them into whatever you want whenever, which is nice. So with that, Uh, the story is a little reminiscent of some of the seasons of agents of shield. Right. So with that in mind and like setting aside performance issues, like maybe the, maybe that will be ironed out in the last 10% that isn't being shown. Like that is optimization always comes last. So I'll I'll give them that benefit of the doubt. And even if the story, the moment to moment dialogue feels like copy and paste out of, you know, out of context uh, quotes, does any part of it feel particularly ambitious or does it feel like they're playing it safe? So I actually think, that dovetails really nicely with Jeff's question because I think the part that does feel ambitious to me is it does feel like they are trying to build an identity for this thing mm-hmm. that is separate from both the MCU and the comic books, but also draws from each of them for its inspiration. Um, and I think it's relatively effective at that. Um, I don't necessarily think it's trying to translate comic books in the same way that agents of shield does. Um, I think it's more um, complex than that to a degree because 
they're doing things like they're doing smart things like um, in that opening mission on the Golden Gate Bridge, you don't really know what's going on, but like Taskmaster shows up. And as Widow, you have a fight against Taskmaster and it's comic book Taskmaster. It is not like a movie fight Taskmaster. It is Taskmaster with the skull mask and the sword and the shield. And it's very cool. That fight is like it feels scripted like it doesn't feel it, it, it's it, a tutorial it, fight it's a tutorial fight but it's it's a good one i think it, it's aside from the fact that it's it crashed right. on me while i was doing it um it's a, it's a good fight and um and i think that was the that was kind of the moment where i was like oh wait maybe i like this um and so i think they really are and like i don't i'm not gonna if you're really worried about spoilers about the beta to tune out i guess it's but there's a mission you do in the, they just call it the Pacific Northwest. I don't know where it, it seemed like it was on the Olympic Peninsula in Washington, but I don't know. Um, it could have been in Oregon. It could have been anywhere. Uh, you do a mission with Kamala and, uh, and, and um, Bruce. And most of it, playing as the Hulk in that game just has problems because it's like he can punch a tank in the opening mission and blow it up like he should be able to, but then you meet like, five robots and each of them takes like <laughs> six punches to knock out which is like you're the fucking hulk man like <laughs> what are they doing to you they're, they're, they're doing you dirty right now uh <laughs> and but um but his super ability like his powers feel good those are pretty powerful anyway though like you fight abomination in this mission and it's a pretty good abomination and it's a pretty good fight like the it it's it's broken up in some ways by the like triple a boss fight thing where you get to a certain health bar and then a little cinematic part happens. And I don't love that. I much prefer the, you know, Soulsian like, no, here is the boss and now you will fight sort of thing. Um, but that aside, I think the fight plays pretty well and, and you, you have to sort of recognize his patterns and then you have to dodge them and counter and jump at right times and stuff. It feels like a pretty good boss fight. And the ending of what happens in the boss fight <laughs> I don't know how Abomination is going to show up in future content because the things that the Hulk does to that that being's body are brutal. Um, well, some uh, Arkham Asylum <laughs> Solomon Grundy yes. status almost. I was like, whoa, what? not, not that this? bad, but I was like, one, how is this a teen rated video game? And two, this kind of rules. Because um, they smear right, Vaseline Bruce. all over the screen yeah. when stuff like um, that happens. So anyway, I think in that regard. Um, it, it feels ambitious in the sense that they clearly have ambitions for this to be a platform for um, greater storytelling and, and um, longer term concepts. And I really hope this is, and this is really the bottom line of why I'm going to get it and play it because I really hope that they get there through criticism and feedback. And I hope that because I say, I hope people don't buy it. I'm half kidding. I think that because it has Marvel on the name, it may people will play it because it will get that walking past it on the sh- and seeing it on the shelf thing of oh, it's an Avengers game, and that's part of why I think that they're pushing it out when they are because then now they have two months before its holidays, and in that two months they can tighten screws, and then hopefully people just buy it because it says Marvel's Avengers on the box. And then also there's not been a Marvel thing this year, right? Right. No. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and I, and I think that the, 
team is earnestly trying to make a cool thing. I don't think it doesn't feel like they were handed a license license and said, make something. And this is the thing that they're putting as little effort as they can into. I think they're really, I think they are trying hard and I really give them credit for trying to do something interesting. It's, but it's also a studio is not done a service game or multiplayer game. Yeah. Uh, Make it like doing their first crack at it with a massive IP that pre-existing that, you know, is one of the most popular things on the planet at the moment. And I, and I think at least, at least Anthem was original. They don't have to live up to external expectations. Right. And I think, but I think that hopefully those external expectations will push them to, to, to develop this game further. And with some, with with tapping into the more interesting parts of that mission design, better performance, and um, I think that we're missing some of the character interactions and depth of the full game in the beta. So I don't want to. The combat feels kind of shallow, but I think that I think if you just play a little bit of Destiny, the combat feels shallow. Like if if there's so many tools in the toolbox that you just don't get access to in the well, beta for these characters. Also, um, if you played Destiny on launch day, or let's say Destiny Two, Destiny Two on launch yeah. day versus Destiny Two yesterday, like there's also a big difference between those two, right? Yeah, right. I, I, yes. I would say that the thing that saves Destiny is like it plays like second to none, like mechanically, it mm-hmm. just feels really good. Yeah, the you know the left trigger, right trigger is yeah. like top it is class with Destiny. Yeah, whereas I would not like it's the combat and like the moment to moment gameplay is serviceable, save like some of the platforming stuff. But I wouldn't say it's like anywhere near top class for the kind of game it is for like the kind of combat is going for. I guess I don't know what I've, I mean, setting souls aside, cause I don't think it's going for that at all. Um, what's more devil may cry. Uh, Ninja yeah, Titan I guess devil may cry or, is a good one. Uh, it, uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Many of those, nasty. many of those kinds of games just feel very samey to me anyway. So to me, it's like, um, it doesn't, it feels good enough, I guess, because I generally am not crazy about those kinds of games in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wonder if that's part of why I'm able to kind of look at it and go like, oh, okay, well, I get this. Um, I, I would hope that there's little things in there that I found a little frustrating. Like um, when you first play, you play as Captain America in the opening mission, you don't get to play as him for the rest of the beta. Um, there's like a moment where they're like, Oh, hold the circle button to vault over people with shields. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I wonder if this is a unique thing that cap can do. It's not, everybody can do that. Everybody does that. <laughs> you have to do that with everybody to deal with shield enemies. Um, and I think that is sort of the parts where I suspect perhaps in the future, within the first year, they will, try to redesign some of that mechanical stuff and differentiate the characters a bit more perhaps um, because I think that they will get a lot of pushback on that. Um, And um, I don't know. I think it's, it's justified, but at the end of the day, you're also dealing with such iconic characters that I think a lot of us are going to give it some leeway and give it some time to, to bake after launch without totally just, binning it because um because they do seem to be trying to do justice to those characters and i think that they're fairly uh effective in portraying interesting takes on on those characters at least so one one final question for me pat um 
if they do end up exploring the comics universe here and they they do end up bringing in folks from the Marvel's first family um, <clears throat> the Fantastic Four who would you cast as Galactus and why is the right answer Simon Templeman oh gosh <laughs> um, well I do think that they will bring I think that will happen for starters, um, I mean, because, Simon Templeman has done so much work for Crystal Dynamics anyway. So, like, <laughs> uh, not necessarily even that. That is good casting. I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't have thought of that, but I think that is uh, pretty good. Um, but I do think that they will bring. Um, that eventually you'll see if the game survives long enough. There's a big if there. Right. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> the the main villain of the of the story that ships with the game is Modok. So they are definitely not. Oh, they're not. They're doing comic stuff. Um, yeah, they really uh, are. And, and the, <laughs> okay. I mean, the, the premise is that AIM kind of takes over the world and is the world police, which is a, a good story yeah, that rules right. those stories off. It's hard to mess that up when you're a, when you do that in the comic books, because AIM are good bad guys. Oh, um, yeah, they're great. Uh, so um, to that end, I think that they will absolutely be reaching into cosmic and stuff. Um, and I think that they will have a Fantastic Four blowout at some point, probably around the time that whenever Marvel Films gets that sorted. Um, yeah. But uh, casting-wise, I don't know if I have... Simon Templeman is a good pull. Um, I could also see uh, them trying to reach into... That is like the the amount of voice work you would need for them to maybe reach outside the realm of video game voice actors and try to pull someone in. And I think it would be very funny. Peter Dinklage. uh, (laughs) um, No, I think it would be very funny. This isn't a real desire. I think Simon Templeman's a better pull, but it would be very funny if they got Josh Brolin to play Galactus (laughs) because Josh Brolin played Thanos. Right, right, right. He also (laughs) did dark side, didn't he? In uh, the event or in the, the Justice League, Wasn't couldn't tell you. There's a Justice what? League movie. Yeah, I, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> I heard there's one coming about. out eventually. What about uh, Keith, Keith David? Oh shit, that would actually be. Uh, yeah, Keith David would be oh, really. Oh, yeah. I don't know who they cast for. I gotta look it up. There's a brief moment where you hear from where you hear Nick Fury in a mission. Their Nick Fury casting is pretty good. I thought like he's on video. I was like, that's a good Nick Fury. I like that Nick Fury. Also, Maria Hill is played by damn it. Um, Maria Hill is very good casting also. Uh, yeah, I, and, I think they're, they're casting and all their actors are pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, in those in particular, now I can't find who it is, so I'll have to chime back in when I find who, but it's right. a recognizable voice actress. Uh, they do the Assassin's Creed four thing after each mission in the beta and say, how, what did you think of this mission? Rate it one to five. Uh, so I wonder, I wonder if that'll be in the full game. And if they're like, okay, do people, do people like, or if that's just the beta, like do people like these missions or do we need to rethink the structure of this game and what we're having people do? Spoilers. I've been giving them twos. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, is I'm, sure, actually, I'm, I'm sure we're going to be hearing lots about this game over the next several oh, months. 
I hope so, because yeah. that means that it survives long enough that that's possible. Well, I, I mean, mean, Anthem the, survived over a year before they yes. were like, okay, we're, we got to rework. Hey. It might actually be Kobe Smulders that plays Maria. What? Really? Oh. She was in the Lego game. Okay. I got to do more research on this. I'm having trouble finding but this. But she's all, she's all right as... Uh, as Hill, so yeah. No one has lasted longer than the Avengers game, though. Uh, lots of things. Well, uh, then, but I then think we you're talking about uh, the Yakuza Two. Hell yeah! That, that <laughs> the Yakuza, Yakuza series. Yeah, the Yakuza series has been around for a while, and it stood the test of time. Yeah, it, and Yakuza Two, uh, a PS2 game remastered, rebuilt in the Yakuza Six engine. Uh, continues to hold up. Uh, so the thing I've played now, this is my f- fourth Yakuza game. Yeah, so I played zero, then I played six, then I played one, Kiwami, and now I'm playing Kiwami 2, which is the extreme remaster of Yakuza 2 from the PS2 days. Uh, set in the same place that all the Yakuza games are set, Kamurocho, which is Kabukicho, they're like fake version of it uh, in Tokyo. And also in Osaka, uh, in Sotenbori, which is their fake version of Dotenbori, uh, which is like the middle of Osaka along the river. And that part was in Yakuza 0. Yeah, Yakuza 0. Uh, that was where you played as Majima. But now it's like 20 years later, whatever, or 10 years. I don't even remember. The timelines on these games are buck wild. <laughs> um, I guess I think it's like 20 years because in Yakuza one. Yeah, because Yakuza one, Kiryu goes to jail for 10 years at the start of the game and then he gets out in 2005. This is the next year. Uh, lots of lots of wild stuff happened. Uh, people are dead. Uh, Kiryu's best friends, his family, everyone he's ever known is dead, basically. And he's just like, I'm out of this Yakuza life. And just when he thinks he's out, you'll never guess it. What they happens? pull him back in. What? It happens yeah, to him like I, six times. Shocking. It happens to him so many times. It's, he is literally like, I don't want, I don't want to be a Yakuza anymore. I just, but he is like so honor bound and like, Dumbass. He is part of the problem, but <laughs> no, I mean, yes, but no, like the one thing he is smart about is like being a Yakuza and like trying to get, get shit done in like an effective, safe, uh, non-destructive way. But he's always at odds with like people who are working behind the scenes, trying to amass more power. And so Kiryu is like this legendary mythical Yakuza who is basically invincible, uh, like across the country, like everyone's heard of him yet. All these street punks still try and mess with him. Like, you know, you're running down the street and they're like, Hey you. And then you get in a fight and you're like, really? And you're like, okay, I'm going to like suplex you over this guardrail and break your spine. Uh, I'm so going to you bash know, your skull with a iron trash can. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to pick up a, a legit motorcycle Yes. And beat you over the head with it and then jump into the air and like slam or it down on you. I'm going to just shoot you with a gun. Yeah, that too. <laughs> There's uh, the cops never show up. They're always. And when they do, they're 
is they like they're not on the streets like for all these mass fights that are happening or so part of yakuza one or kiwami is the majima everywhere system where uh, kiryu's blood rival majima is constantly majima just wants to fight kiryu because he's like he's so good and i just want to fight him and like that's all i want to do is fight kiryu and so he takes it on himself to like surprise kiryu and make sure he's always on his toes and so you'll be walking around town and you'll like walk over a manhole and then suddenly it'll cut to a cutscene of like behind Kiryu, walk over it and then it lifts up and Majima crawls out of the sewers <laughs> and is like fighting you. <laughs> or you'll be in a fight with just some random guy and then he's like, he comes running up down the street like, ah, I want to get on on this. Or like jumps out of the back of a car and like all this ridiculous stuff. God, that sounds like some at one point he like dresses energy. up like a. Yeah, at one point he dresses up like a zombie and he's got like makeup and he gets his uh, the people in his branch of the Yakuza to uh, like act like zombies like they've been infected. And that starts this whole thing with Kiryu and it's like a zombie movie. It's really ridiculous. Um, I love these games so much. Yes. Yakuza (laughs) 2, Yakuza Kiwami 2, I have I've probably spent more time in one of the mini games, one of the side uh, activities of the game which is the Cabaret Grand Prix. I've, I've probably put about 10 hours into the game at this point, and I wouldn't be surprised if like five of those were in the Cabaret game, uh, which is uh, the culture in Japan. There's a culture of cabaret clubs where men and women, depending on the club, can go and they can pay for a host to sit with them and talk and uh, share their time with them. And you pay for very expensive drinks and food as part of this. And it's like very upscale and they're supposed to like, you know, give you all your attention. And Kiryu, being the uh, excellent person he is, is walking down the street. Uh, He's like, "Okay, I've got somewhere to be. And then he sees this uh, manager or this guy get poached from this other club. And these women come out like, oh, you're the guy. And you're like, no, who, what? But Kiryu just goes along with it because... He's dumb uh, and will do anything you tell him to uh, until he goes like, wait a second. K- Kiryu is in some ways uh, the ultimate himbo. Oh, yes. yes. He is a big himbo. That's right. Energy. That's right. Uh, he is, That's, he is you know? simultaneously the dumbest man and the smartest man alive. Yes. You're yes. totally right. Lots of emotional oh, yeah. intelligence in that. In that. In that oh guy, yeah, no. But so that actually plays into the yeah. the cabaret minigame. So the the crux of the minigame is you're managing a cabaret club uh, that is kind of on the outs. They're on their last leg. They've got only like a handful of girls working. They don't have a lot of money. They've lost like all their clientele. And then there's this other like big club group like the Kanazaki group is poaching like their workers and their managers and stuff like that so Kiryu steps in and he's like all right I'm gonna run this place and we're gonna we're gonna win the cabaret grand prix which is a nationwide competition between the cabaret clubs and there's like they have like an announcer who is announcing the events and like that girl needs help oh the manager's stepping in and like excellent work from the manager he really knows how to help these women there's like no time at all and it's all just like acted over the top uh, especially the announcer uh and so and each girl has their like stats of like oh this one likes to talk this one's a party girl this one her love stat is high or skill i don't know what skill has to do with anything 
but then and then they've got like their appearance like oh sexy funny uh stuff elegant stuff like that and you're matching up these stats with the um with the patrons who come in and then they've got like this one's poor this one's average rich tycoon uh and so you like okay well i want to put my good people with like the rich people so they get more money and stuff like that it's and then certain yeah, so please. No, no. I, I mean, I was just gonna say it's ridiculous because when I first heard all of this stuff, I was like, "This is horrible. What is this? Is awful." When I first was hearing this stuff about Yakuza games from the outside, I was like, "What is? Why do people like this?" And then you play it, and it's totally weird. It's very much on the side of the people doing the work in a way oh, that, yeah, yeah. that makes yeah. you go like, "Oh." It's, this isn't this exactly, whole thing is about humanizing. Yeah, this isn't exactly critiquing the industry in the ways that no. I wish it would. But at the same time, right. it is not actually objectifying these people as much as no. you would think. It's actually kind yeah. of doing the opposite. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, injecting game systems into that in a way that's really yes. interesting. <laughs> yes. So there's always some sort of like dating aspect because Dotenbori and uh, Kabukicho are both areas with lots of hostess clubs and things like that, snack bars, cabaret clubs, uh, more more uh, hardcore establishments. Um, and so as you level up these hostesses, uh, certain ones, like the platinum rank ones, you get uh, side or you get like conversations with them that can also further level them up. And that's where you get like their actual personality. And you have like these 10 minute like conversations with these girls and it's mostly them talking to you and Kiryu responds. And this is where like all his emotional intelligence comes out, but he's also like, he's in his thirties, I think at this point or like forties, he must be in his, hmm? I don't even know. Anyway, uh, he is getting, he gets he gets weird at times uh and but like these girls are also playing off him because they're like oh he's so dreamy and like oh maybe i have a crush on you and kiryu's like i think there's one point where this girl's um she says i wish i could find a guy like you uh because you're so nice and you can eat as much as i do and stuff like that and kiryu just goes (laughs) one of the things you can say is uh i want someone like or me too and he like goes on he's like I, w- I wish i could find a guy like me too and they're like well, how can you tease me like that uh but and that's like, like the smart I'm- answer <laughs> but you, you can play you can play him super horny and like but that's not the feel like smart that's not way canon. to do it i don't that's not canon yeah. here yeah. yeah. no. yeah, is no, very not horny at all yeah. Like he he is very like oh this is scandalous like one girl her sub story is her panties are stolen but they're not her panties but she does she doesn't she's like some panties were stolen from my balcony last night and I like I feel very like violated and Kiri's like pant panties um what what uh, I'll help you I'll help you find like so you can feel safe because I'm your manager. He's like, uh, what, what do your what do your panties look like? And she's like, they're not my panties. What, what do you think? <laughs> they're my grandmother's panties. She's visiting me. <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, your your grandmother's panties. I see. And I mean, or she's like, oh, I take all these pictures of our of like the owner of the cabaret club because I'm, I'm obsessed with her. And he's like, oh, what sort of pictures? It's like, okay, Kiryu. <laughs> right. But yeah, it, like Canon Kiryu is more like a complete idiot. 
Yeah, he's like a glorified social worker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, that is actually very that accurate. Is, yeah, I mean, <laughs> in Yakuza Six, there's a whole mini game around like video chatting with cam girls, and yeah. I at first was like, I don't like this, but then you start to play it, and then I mean, respect for the for the for for the the cam girls working out there, but then you start playing it, and it's like he's actually like. I don't think this is okay. And he's like, this is weird. The chatting and him hunting and pecking. Yeah. And and he's like, like, Oh, well, you could also play him and like, he is cause he's been in like prison at that point. And he's like in his fifties and he's like totally divorced from like the modern world. He's just like boobies. And you know, all these like very basic, like, that's how true. are you a functional person <laughs> like one of the first messages you send uh, is just you have, and you have to do like a quick time mini game to type it in on the on like the face buttons right, and right. it's just his message is boobies but like, uh, which is like one of the more lowbrow versions of the stuff they do but. but also the the people that that he's video chatting with are like actual idol performers yes, in yes. japan so there's like they try to make nods in all of these these sort of dating game parts of these games to humanizing the yeah. that culture in a way that a lot of Japanese media that I've interacted with has failed to do. Um, yep. And so that's why I think it works, because it doesn't feel like you're laughing at the objectification of women. It feels like you are laughing with those sex workers more yeah. so than... Um, like, laughing with Kiryu at them, which is why I think it works tonally. Um, yeah, yeah. you're you're and, laughing at the hunting and pecking, and just like this is a very stupid and, message. Why would a human send this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're almost. <laughs> it almost feels like you're you're reacting from the perspective of the 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 cam workers that you're yeah. chatting with as Kiryu because it's because yeah. because it's clear that they are the professionals in this situation, and that yeah. they are the ones that are actually like kind of in control of of the the conversation of the situation. So. And, and I think that's why that and, stuff works without being repulsive. Yeah, it, well, and that stuff seems a little like off, like playing more of like the other games and seeing like Kiryu being extremely emotionally intelligent and yeah, yeah. like working with these women and helping them through their issues and seeing like one of the stories is a woman, one of the workers, like her friend works at another club, but her mom found out she's working in a cabaret club and is like, no, you have to quit that job right now. You have to leave all those friends behind. You're going to come home with me and we're going to like leave the city. And then uh is like, okay, I'm going to like help you. Like, you know, uh, I have to beat up some thugs on the street because that's all Kiryu is really good for. And then we're I'm, come with me. We'll go back. And as thanks for me defending you from those thugs, you have to sit with your daughter and her friend and you're not leaving until all three of you are friends. And then it turns out that the mom was a cabaret hostess when she was young and she got screwed over by the management and ended up in like super bad debt. And so she doesn't want that to happen to her daughter. And so it's trying to tell all these like complex nuanced stories, but it also does it in really weird, ridiculous ways. There's another <laughs> one where this is outside of the cabaret minigame. I got like accosted on the street by some thugs. And it's like, you're not coming this way. I'm like, I'm, I'm going this way. You don't know who I am. Do you? And you beat him up. And then they're like, Yakuza boss comes. He's like, I'm sorry. I know who you are. My boys, they're, they're out of line. Come with me to my favorite club. You go to this club and 
it's this woman is like uh, treating you like a baby. She's like calling you a baby. She's like, do you want boobs or milk? And I was just like, um, excuse me. What? I don't, I don't understand. She's like, and so something happens and I can't remember exactly what leads to it, but basically a wall gets knocked over and you see the Yakuza boss and all his, his cronies crawling around on the floor in diapers in this like playroom as like women are chasing after them. And then you have to beat all these up, all these men in diapers. And Kiryu's like, you can't force your fetish on anybody. And then afterwards, afterwards, as you leave, all the cronies are out there like, man, thank you. We don't want to do that either. (laughs) But what the boss says goes. Uh, But hopefully now he'll be a little more receptive to the idea of not everyone shares his kinks. It's it's a it's it's a good series. That has its yep. moments of, I don't know about that. There's some, there's some colorism stuff in there that is not great in some of the games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that, so I don't want to just universally praise the games like social politics, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty good and they're pretty yeah. aware. Uh, but, yeah. You know, and this game is over ten years old. This is like probably fifteen ish years old, I think, and so. You know, if you look at like the politics of when it's coming from, and I don't know how much is updated, like if it's just the same stuff, just updated into a new engine with like some changes to the gameplay or in like map and stuff, like where you can go in and whatnot. I'm not familiar with the original releases of either Kiwami or Kiwami 2, but I'm having a real good time. I'm actually, they actually did a really great quality of life thing where you can buy and uh, upgrade that just lets you see the location of all the sub sub stories. So you don't have to mm-hmm. just run around aimlessly hoping to like trigger something. Mm-hmm. Oh, there are like 70 plus stories in these games. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so Yakuza Kiwami two it's on game pass. It's real good. Uh, game pass on PC and console. Um, that was much longer talking about Yakuza than I expected to actually, but played another game that's uh, hot off the, uh, the itch.io as of like three hours ago. That game is a Mixolumia. Uh, it's made by, I think one person in Japan. They're there. I think they're American, but they're, they live in Japan like me. Uh, Dave makes on Twitter and itch.io and I was struck by this game the first time I, I saw it like come by in my Twitter feed and I was like oh I like the look of this and Mixolumia is like if you took Poyo Poyo rotated at 45 degrees and then did the audio treatment style implementation of like a Tetris effect oh and then maybe mixed it with like a little bit of luminous. Uh, so you've got, cause it's like four, it's like blocks of four that are coming down. So that's kind of where the luminous bit comes in. Right. And so it's got all these familiar elements that are tying together, but it, they all interact where the blocks interact in like a unique way. And it's basically, you know, it's a new puzzle game. It's not just, Oh, I made a Poyo Poyo, but then made it, like poyo poyo effect with like the music and the way it like comes in and out it's basically you're trying to match up three colors of a block on a 
diagonal or a horizontal uh, basis. You can't do vertical because then they're not touching, I guess. But then you can make, if you can line up like Poyo Poyo, if you can line up multiple kind of colors and then break some, and then you can get a chain reaction going into it, which is very satisfying when you can get it. But right now, since it's three hours old, I've been able to play for like an hour and it's, it's like getting your brain to adapt to a new puzzle game is Mm. tricky because you're like, okay, how does this work? There's no tutorial or anything. It's just get in and go and kind of figure out what's going on. And then I'm like, so the first time I was like, I thought, I feel like these should be, I'm connecting. I've got like eight blocks connected, but they're connected in like a zigzag pattern, which isn't any good. You've got to get like, in a you know, straight line um, to get them to drop out. Um, but the cool thing, or one of the cool things that contributes to it is the way the audio is implemented. Uh, so it's very much like Tetris Effect where it's got like multiple layers to the tracks and parts of songs. And as you go and clear uh, blocks, more parts of the song will start to come in. Okay. And it's, they call it a dynamic music system. And one of the cool things is you can implement your own music into the game if you want or sell it. Uh, You'd have to be, you have to be like smart and know how to do like music stuff, but they've got like documentation on how to create it. Like the, the best, best practices. Here's like, you want like your intro part, your middle and your end. And like, okay, you got like the beginning and then you've got loops and like okay then you end this loop you go back to the first loop and stuff like that like okay now you need a json file and like aug vorbis and you put that all together and so they have said like we're you know we want people to make their own stuff and you can sell it or you can do whatever to uh, get that in there so i look forward to seeing what people do with that right now there's just like three tracks uh, two by Dave and then one by Josie, Josie Breckner, who did like a, what is it called? I can't remember. It's a summer kind of thing where as it, as like sounds layer on, you get like a thunderstorm and like rain and stuff like that coming through, which is cool. very cool. Uh, so it's just like a very relaxing, like puzzle game. Like I, yeah. I wish the music was a little more um more layered or like there was more to it i think but what is there is very nice and i hope that this like gains traction with creators and gets a lot of cool music stuff yeah agreed um i shared a link with our chat and i'm also going to put it in the show notes of a twitter post um from dave makes and you can watch their journey in making the game almost in real time yes which is really really cool because the uh they kept continually updating this same post with like updates basically and for like over Mm -hmm. the course of a year you can see it go from prototype to like adding new features to like oh now it does this and that yeah and it's it's just really the first post being like i don't know what this is but i think it's something yeah and then it, it's yeah, like you can look at about a year worth of updates from them and it's just, it's cool. Um, and I, yeah. I've been keeping an eye on it too. And I think I'll definitely give it a shot, uh, probably after this, after this recording, it seems, it seems really good. And I, you're right. I would love to yeah. see, um, what, if a community can rally behind it and what they could possibly add to it. Cause collaborative stuff like that is great. Like that's what made audio surf great and stuff like that. Right. So, right. yeah. 
yeah. some of the stuff that Dave shared had was like he was like goof or they were goofing around um, with various um, like sound samples and they did like a goose one where it was the untitled goose game sounds uh, and yeah things like that and different color palettes they those did not make it into the final game but uh, that is the kind of stuff that you could do was just really meme dumb stuff or really cool uh ex- hardcore music stuff the the music is like i hadn't i'd seen gifs of this game but not um mm-hmm. not i hadn't heard any of the music the music is that like very it's beautiful it's really intoxicating i'm i'm gonna play it just to chill out with that for a bit later i think because yeah i'm super super into that and yeah, you can I'm, go like if you don't want to deal with like the pressure of learning how to like play the game and have have that pressure of like oh I'm going to fail and then like the music's going to restart there is like a um like a no fail mode cool. that, like right off the bat so you can hang in there to like figure out the systems how they work and whatnot yeah and cool. something, so something yeah. I really liked um when kind of getting videos ready for this particular podcast was seeing that in the settings menu, um, like you can kind of pick different tile sets and stuff like that. Yes. And one of them is basically, what was it? Trans rights. And then there was trans rights, dark, (laughs) which I thought was very funny. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I haven't looked at the tile sets, but that's, that's really good. Yeah. It's, it's a really nice looking game. Like obviously I, you know, I draw comparisons to Tetris effect, but that's mostly in the audio treatment and the way it implements and allows you to play with audio or it well, plays with audio and layers it in. And and you do get into like you do get the Tetris effect kind of going with this where you're just like, I'm in the zone. But it's that's not bad, you know, though. Tetris one, effect. It's yeah, is really, it, really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my point <laughs> so, is do, this is like a one person project. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two person with the audio and stuff. But. So don't expect like super high production value, but it looks sure. very nice. And there are a bunch of different like templates and stuff like that. So it's, yeah. it's very And cool. their, their documentation, I'm looking, I've been looking at it right now. It's actually, as far as uh, like a man page, it's, it's very, very clear. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like this is something that I could like do. <laughs> like, uh, like after I got, done <laughs> with my stuff today like this is yeah. this is very clear stuff I, I i am really jazzed about this because like i i love the idea of incorporating sound into puzzle um i've always been a huge fan of that um not just as a success indicator of course but also as a way to have folks explore with different conditions of the puzzle and and use sound as a cue to suggest different moves within the puzzle. And I've always, I've always been enamored of that kind of stuff. Um, and I think with the community, I, I hope that the, that people rally around this as they uh, have with other itchio games. So, you know, like a, a song of the Sojourner and, and that kind of stuff where, you know, we get some really nifty community contribution stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited about this. Uh, they have not ruled out the game coming to Steam from what I saw, but they're waiting to see how well it does on Itch.io uh, before like moving to any other storefronts. So if you want to go to Itch.io 
davemakes.itch.io it davemakes.itch.io slash mixolumia <laughs> then you can uh get the game it's nine bucks right now uh but maybe yeah. toss a couple more that way for i literally developers. just did that yep so i'm excited to play same and uh i think with that that's oh so with that we're, we're on to, to take to, us to, to class test. Do it. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> All right. I was like, yes, it's a light got. news week so that Jeff has plenty of time to, to educate us on. Because I don't know anything about your first bullet point here. Yeah. There's a, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know what either of these things are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know what one of them is, but not really. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, right. So for those of you just turning it, tuning in and wondering, you know, um, uh, where, what my credentials are here. Um, so I'm involved in the philosophy field. I'm, uh, getting a PhD, finishing up a PhD in, uh, philosophy. Um, and I've been an academic for, uh, 11 years now. And so usually video games and philosophy, they sort of have an odd, um, relationship i mean sometimes that can be really explicit sometimes it can just be sort of in the background kind of informed um here we have an example of it being a little bit more uh direct um so epic games uh this is back in july actually july 17th so there's a little bit old news but i wanted to flesh it out a bit um epic games the maker of fortnite um uh, they have partnered with the Faculty of Philosophy at Moscow State University. This is not a thing that normally happens. Let me just let me just say that. Like very rarely do does anybody <laughs> in the business world, whether it's entertainment or not, very rarely do they engage. I like the thing that I just put up as my zoom background here, which is a picture of disco Elysium's uh, cover art here. That's the closest I can find um, to actual like textured philosophy, uh, like engagement with philosophy and certain canons. Um, Gaming fixes as 2019 game of the year. Disco Elysium. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I recently like I, I'm, I am resisting the urge to just talk about that. Um, <laughs> we can do that too. But oh yeah, like I have so many feelings about it. Um, they're all good. Um, well, most of them. Uh, so, but the thing about this partnership is that it's extraordinarily unique, not only from the business end, but also from the academic end, because usually we're not tapped as a resource for a video game development at all. And so I kind of dug into it. Um, I'm like, well, why? Why? <laughs> Why are you asking philosophers to help with a video game? Um, and both uh, through the work of like Justin Weinberg over at the Daily News um, and just digging myself, um, the uh, Alexei Savchenko, who is a licensing manager for Epic, has uh, released the statement through ongoing dialogue, it became apparent that we were aligned with the goals of MSU and its faculty. The Faculty of Philosophy has been participating in similar conversations in fields of simulation and virtual reality at the international scene with close-spirited fellow uh, researchers. Um, I also believe that philosophy is much closer to game development than most may think, and games themselves can be a perfect instrument to explore philosophical thought. 
Okay. So I'm going to break down because there's, there's a couple of code words there that end up getting, um, glossed over by a lot of, uh, media. And that's not because, you know, though they're bad media or something like that. It's just, this is really inside baseball. Um, <laughs> so, um, when he's talking about fields of simulation and virtual reality in philosophy, what he's specifically referring to is the discipline of the computational theory of mind as it's realized through artificial intelligence researchers of asking the questions are, can we make an AI that qualifies as a mind? And this may seem like a very highfalutin question. It absolutely is. But this kind of bringing in AI research that from the computational theories of mind uh, and the vast amount of literature that's been uh, generated in the past 10 years, especially from like informal logic, it makes sense if Epic Games wants to um, bring in that kind of expertise to see if they can, you know, create a better AI, as it were. Um, the kind of collaboration um, between philosophy and video game development, though, I think shouldn't just stop at AI. And we really need to be extremely critical of how AI works, especially within um, user, uh, mass user experiences. Um, for, for, for clarity, when yeah. you're saying AI, do you mean AI as a concept of programming or do you mean AI within actual games, like uh, opposing forces good, essentially? Good, good, or? Good. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that clarification. Uh, so I'm referring to the concept, um, sort of the back end. I'm not referring to the AI as in the behavior of certain, you know, models or bosses or whatever. So we're thinking about the, the particular algorithmic back end here that tends to go into AI constructs. And this is all very, you know, high level crunchy and that kind of thing. But this is something that has gotten got a little play, I think a year ago, two years ago, um, when, uh, folks like, um, uh, Ocasio-Cortez brought up the idea of algorithmic bias. So when we're thinking about AI and algorithms and user tracking and things like that, we need to be very, very cautious. And bringing in philosophers can both be a really good idea because we're a lot of us are very concerned about AI ethics. And in fact, we really wish we were involved in the kinds of discussions with this because a lot of folks tend to be tend to err on the Elon Musk side of things which is to say, oh, make it an AI, it's going to save us all, it'll be fine. And it's like, mm, no. Um, <laughs> and so when we have these sorts of critiques about what kinds of minds we're building, what kinds of inputs we're giving these uh, particular algorithms, we need to also be wary when we're thinking about something that has a, a really wide market, like Fortnite. I mean, um I'm not saying that, you know, Fortnite's going to be the harbinger or, or of our destruction or anything like that. But I would encourage a lot of devs to really take seriously not just the kinds of AI research that agrees with their mission statement. I would definitely encourage that maybe if we're going to think about computational theory of mind within the limitations of the actual construct of the model rather than you know what the buzzwords say it's like oh it's ai it's free of human bias no 
It's not, um, unless you're doing completely mathematical things. And even then, that's a little bit of a stretch. Um, and if people want like cited, cited sources here, I can always provide them you know, through email and I can send them way more literature than anyone really ever wants to read. Um, <laughs> but um, so, and I would also actually recommend um, before I continue, uh, there's a Twitter, uh, Dr. Jonathan Flowers. Uh, he's an excellent um, critical uh, tech philosopher. Uh, he is also a Japanese uh, philosopher, a philosopher of aesthetics. Um, so at Shen Gokai, uh, S-H-E-N-G-O-K-A-I. Um, get, definitely give him a follow if this kind of thing interests you. Um, so yeah, we sh- should we be worried or should we not be worried or should we should we just ignore it? Is this is this sort of you know blip news? Um, speaking as uh, someone involved in the field, um, I would say it's it's signs of things to come because when you get philosophers underwriting something. It tends to do things because this is a a broader disciplinary point, but a lot of the social power, as ironic as it may seem, a lot of the social power within the humanities tends to fall in philosophy because we tend to be in every discipline. (laughs) We tend to have our fingers in every pie and it's everyone gets annoyed by us and we annoy ourselves and it's a whole thing. Um, (laughs) So when we're thinking about um, especially Moscow state University's specific um, approach to artificial intelligence, to their specific approach to computational theory of mind and what, and what that might mean for Epic games and what that might mean for game development. Um, I, I have my hopes and my hopes are, we get much more responsive, enriching experiences that aren't just AIs of antagonism. You know, what, what would it look like to have an actual uh, AI that can adapt to not, not necessarily procedural procedural generation, but at least can adapt to more cooperative forms of play. I think that would be interesting. And in fact, a little bit more challenging Um, versus, you know, the, the sort of bleak picture and the bleak picture being that, well, now we have a really nice way to sort through data scraping um, <laughs> even even more than we have now. And yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah. like that, that's the thing that I'm I'm concerned about, especially with something like Epic Games, because I, I don't have a lot of charity for them. But maybe I'm just jaded. Um, I have a weird way of presenting they have a weird way of like humanizing themselves like you know tim sweeney is very accessible you know like you can you can tweet at him and there's a decent chance you'll get a response um which is odd and that's true of a lot of people that i've seen who work there if you find them they're usually pretty happy to talk about work stuff with random people on social media. But at the same time, the answers aren't always very satisfactory. (laughs) So it's like, it's a tough, I'm with you. And also it almost seems like, I hope that there are folks like with, with your skill set and knowledge base that are providing feedback to them, because even though they don't seem like they're soliciting it 
I feel like they are more likely to at least read it than a lot of big multi-million and billion dollar entertainment companies. So Right. And and that kind of gets to the other prong of this, which is um if if you're a member of the the discipline, the, what I'm about to say is utterly unsurprising. And for those of you outside the discipline, it doesn't mean that you've been hiding under a rock. It's that we we just operate in weird circles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that um, philosophy as a discipline is really not in a good place right now. Like it's it's really being torn apart, uh, mainly due to a lot of uh, trans-exclusive radical feminists and general cr- critical people yeah. who are really just pulling a whole thing on it, and they're getting a lot of backing from a lot of the old names, um, and it's it's very, very problematic. And so when I'm thinking about this sort of, what does it mean for AAA devs or for these billion-dollar companies to come to philosophy... Um, I could very easily see them coming to philosophy for a kind of echo chamber effect, you know, to, to seek out the, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this to myself and I'm going to end up getting tweeted at for forever. Uh, they're seeking out the Brian lighters of the world. Brian lighter, uh, for those of you outside of philosophy, he's like the Donald Trump of philosophy. He's yeah. infamous. Yeah, he's he's bad and just saying it's like saying the name of Beetlejuice. Like you don't want to do it out loud. You can't say it three times. Podcast. I know, right? (laughs) You're about to get so many new listens, and I'm so sorry. It's fine, I'll fight them all. It's probably not good for my mental health to do so, but I'll do it. No. I'll be there with you. I'll be there with you. Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, but there's a, there's this whole swath of people and they tend to, they tend to be in philosophy of mind, interestingly, and ethics. Um, <laughs> you'd think the ethicists would be better, but they're not. Um, and, and so like when, when you have these sorts of disciplines, it's like, oh, but you could be talking to other sections of what's happening, uh, other sections of the discipline of, of, of what's currently happening and, and creating more textured games, which leads me back to disco elysium because i think disco elysium is a really good example of what happens when you successfully integrate the better parts of philosophical critique and method into a really enrapturing story in a really interesting package and you get something there that's really special for people because instead of you know sitting here and creating a better data scraping AI, what you're doing is you're asking crunchy questions and having the player deal with that in certain ways um, that can enable not just uh, a kind of critical awareness of what's happening, but also uh, what's your position in the world? Um, I mean, you're constantly trying to find your your position in the world as that walking disaster of a detective. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that kind of positioning can really benefit. Like, I, I keep imagining what would have happened. And of course, this would have incre- from the developer standpoint. And like, I, I, I realize what I'm saying, Alex, is like such a huge ask. And it would be like, oh, no, <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> don't do no, this to game uh, developers. No, I, I have thoughts, but I'm going to wait until after. <laughs> um, uh, but basically, like thinking of something like. What if a Mass Effect? What if a Dragon Age? What if 
one of these big choice bound RPGs, you know, had that kind of flexibility uh, that you see in Disco Elysium. Yes, we can critique Disco Elysium because everything comes back to that same ending. But the way that you get there, the sort of procedure of getting there is, I think, heterogeneous enough and different enough to, to sort of invest you in the story in very special ways. So anyway, um, these, you had thoughts, Alex, and I'm interested to hear them. Yeah. Um, no, just thinking about what you're saying and the fact that um, philosophers and philosophy as a field should work hand in hand with development is something I actually do agree with because I do work with AI at work. Um, like we can talk about like, and it should be noted, I don't work in game development anymore. Um, uh, the AI I work with is more akin to like, if you're on Spotify and it, what music it recommends to you based on what you listen to, like okay. that's the kind of AI we work with. Um, yeah. And oftentimes when we're in the weeds of it, like I can throw out some million dollar words for you, like the simple stuff, like, uh, determining frontiers with depth first search or breadth first search and using heuristic functions or all the way to like stochastic gradient descent and multi-layer neural network kind of bullshit. Like we can talk about that. Like we can talk oh, yeah. the technical details and I'm fine with it. But we as programmers and coders often only look at it in those very mathematical, well, heuristics, right? Like we're right. we're only thinking of it in those very specific ways. And we often don't consider the human element. Like we're thinking about how can we optimize our find paths and our searches and our explorations and stuff like that right. so that it works efficiently. And we don't often consider the ethical parts like ethics is a course that we do have to take in, in uh, computer science courses because eventually you do get there. But like the things we more care about are search algorithms and uncertainty, like how you account for uncertainty optimization and like language. Like if you're building Google translate and stuff like that, like you need to figure that stuff out, but you're not thinking about the ethics behind it. And I think you're totally right that it is a good move for AI, both in the back end sense of a store, like an Epic store uh, or a Google translate or a Spotify or any of those, uh, as well as within game design, like you're saying. So I think it is a valuable conversation to have. And um, <laughs> if anyone pokes either or both of us about having a more technically in-depth conversation about these topics, right. that's something I would totally be in for. And I could maybe yeah, invite same a couple of my mathematical PhD friends to be involved as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it's one of those things that like when we're thinking about mind um, and like, I, I am, I'm, I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible because I know philosophers can be really long winded because, Oh my God. <laughs> um, but when we're thinking about mind, um, especially with what we demarcate as intelligence and what we, what users will recognize as mind. Um, very frequently, we're going to fall into these particular categories and these categories are not, you know, bestowed to us by some natural font of inevitable knowledge, right? They're, they're actually historically contingent. And, and because there's a historical contingency to the recognition of mind, even if mind is itself a completely emergent natural phenomenon that's going to look the same no matter what place and time you're at, yeah, which is a dubious claim, but you know, again, that's a whole other thing. Um, but like, if we're if, if we at least talk about the recognition of mind, 
I think that even bringing, introducing that into the artificial intelligence discussion and introducing that into the idea of what can qualify as artificial intelligence and what doesn't qualify and what can be optimized and what is, what counts as optimization. I think those kinds of conversations are really like integral to how we're, how we proceed, especially with like the weird position we're at in gaming, because I keep hearing it everywhere. Every uh, big, you know, I hear it at Waypoint. I heard it here. Uh, I heard it uh, over at Abnormal Mapping, where we're all kind of looking at the PS5 and the mini fridge and, <laughs> and just kind of going, where's the leap? You know, that it, it doesn't feel like if it, it feels like, OK, it's a new box. You know, we have a, a very nifty thing and we have a perhaps we the SDK is going to be really interesting. Maybe there will be more flexibility um, and we bet perhaps. But ultimately, we you know when we're watching you know, the PS4 kind of trailers, uh, you know, the big showcase, we're just sort of like, well, the loading on uh, what was it, Jack and Dexter, the instant loading. That's a cool device trick. Ratchet and Clank. Excuse <laughs> Ratchet, you. Or sorry, Ratchet and Clank. I totally messed it up. Uh, that's my bad. I'm sorry. So <laughs> I think it's better this way. <laughs> uh, clearly, that that I, I'm being an old man at the moment, and we'll get to the old man topic in just a second because that's the next one. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so like, you know, obviously like I am amazed just from a, from a technical craft standpoint, I'm like, wow, look at that instantaneous loading. That's a really cool trick. But what can we, what kind of experiences can we craft with that instantaneous loading besides just environment generation? So like, what, what can we do with this? And, and having those conversations, I think it, we should involve philosophers uh, with a little asterisk, um, some philosophers um, <laughs> uh, in, in those kinds of discussions, um, because I think it, it really does matter because it's, it's one of those things that um, ultimately um, can help people understand what qualifies as a mind and what wouldn't qualify as a mind. And maybe those boundaries are more fuzzy than we think. Yeah. Um, and, and somewhere there's like, yeah, go, go ahead. I was just going to say one way to consider it. Like if you want to get, uh, if we want to kind of reframe how that new SSD works and how <laughs> as something as what sounds trivial as, better loading times can actually completely influence design is a way like here's an analogy or not even an analogy just a point to draw from think about um arcade cabinets and yeah. the development of arcade games and you had a budget as a developer you had one hundred thousand dollars whatever uh 90 of your budget was going towards hardware because uh <laughs> CRTs are expensive. Boards are expensive. Yeah. Like storage of media was expensive. 16 megabytes back then was a lot. Um, and yeah. like, so 10% of your budget was going to the actual development. So now you get to uh, home consoles. Uh, cartridges 
still expensive. So like that's probably 50% of your budget now, right? Um, et cetera, et cetera. You can extrapolate that all the way up to now with Blu-ray discs and eventually digital distribution where like all of your budget is going towards development and not so much the media or like the, the medium rather, which is carrying the code. And you can think of that kind of trajectory in much the same way the development works because, uh, it used to be that you had long elevator rides to mask loading because <laughs> you had to, because if you want it to look good, you want that stuff in memory and you, you like, you, you have to wait for it because that's just a limitation of the hardware and the software and the code and everything. Now, um, we are at the point where we're away from arcade games. We're more towards our Blu-ray discs by having this SSD because we don't have to wait for those loads anymore. It's not as expensive on the resources. So we have all of this budget that we can have that's now free to do other stuff. What do we do with it? Um, <laughs> we don't have to worry about how long it takes to load stuff. We don't have to um, wrap up our system IO, which is input output that's loading textures into memory or whatever sound, etc. We can worry about having a neural network, <coughs> having AI over top, which is kind of directing the experience. And yeah, I think that's is that kind of an apt way to draw yeah. another or analogy or reframe yeah. for you, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, um, and and I think that that sort of thinking thinking laterally, you know, where something has kind of like a, an effect, like a not a unrelated effect, but like a a sort of cascade effect, where you're just sort of like, oh, this thing is obviously connected to things like budget. Uh, yeah, like I think that's a really good example of it. Um, and like there, again, there's a there's a much crunchier conversation here to to be had about oh, yeah. epistemology, <laughs> um, <laughs> and w- which I'm I am again resisting. Um, but uh, it's very I, I think that the the move towards uh, using philosophers to influence video games and and especially the video game development um, rather than just like the new Vegas shout out of Hegel. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Kind of speaks to the thing that I keep coming back to listening to both of you talk about the um, using involving philosophers in the conversation for the progression of the sort of technical aspects of game development. And from, I would also, I think that (coughs) almost a higher priority to me is, for that to take place in the process of narrative design and development, because we're talking about a medium and this is going to sound really harsh and I don't want to like, I get it. And and also like I was just talking about how I'm enjoying, I'm excited for the story in the Avengers, which is probably going to be pretty shallow. So (laughs) don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's not room for all kinds of stories and, and, and media, but you're talking about a medium where a lot of people who are big fans of it think that deus ex is like the revelatory text. Yeah. Or that Bioshock is the revelatory right. text, and like right. I love those games. Oh yeah! But uh, the only game that I have ever played that made me think from a philosophical perspective ever is Disco Elysium, and that's problematic to me. And I think that there have been games that gra- that grasp at that same level of quality when it comes from a moment to moment writing perspective. We just talked about Necrobarista last week, and right. certainly that is a game that is not attempting to approach the same kind of philosophical topics and that it shouldn't be 
it should if they wanted to, but it, it doesn't need to, is what I'm saying. Um, right, that right, game is right. wonderful, and to me, a five-star game yeah. that doesn't need to dive into that. So I'm not saying all games yeah. should do that, but yeah, <laughs> with respect to Warren Spector and the writing team on Deus Ex, and with respect to the fact that that was a long time ago, that's not deep. Um, right. And I think we still have some kind of like sacred cows in the gaming world that it's hard for us to, to step back and go like, this isn't good. It's a good, it's, it is above average for the bar that video games set, but we, there's, you can be more critical of it than I think we're kind of willing to, because nobody wants to be the, the, the hand grenade in the room that says like, you know, Deus Ex could be better. Uh, and, right. and I think that that sometimes is, is sets back sort of the the critical conversation around how do we encourage the improvement of narrative design in games that want to be a Deus Ex or a Bioshock or you know sure. or, or or a Disco Elysium, which I think does it largely successfully. So I think yeah, that's a hundred percent valid. But I also think it's you do have to kind of bear in mind that uh, Deus Ex was literally twenty years ago. Like I think it came yes, out in two thousand. Like but, and like when it came to narrative design in games, like you did have stuff that was starting to trend towards that. Like especially if you get into like old ass adventure games, because those are the ones that were more narrative focused and actually cared about writing more so than like you got ha- you got Half Life that tried, but it wasn't going for anything philosophical really. It was just a sci fi story. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And like, uh, you got your System Shocks, et cetera, which were kind right. of falling down the same rabbit holes. Uh, But like those while by 2020 standards are not particularly deep and like they were doing a lot of things across a breadth of uh, uh, systems, I guess like Deus Ex. Yes. Like it, it does have, it, it is trying to be a little bit deep, I guess by the standards of the time, but yeah, it's also about the fact that, Oh, you can approach these mission designs with however you want to, which and is, like, which is great. Yeah. Like, so like, and I, that's I, why I, I love it. Yeah. And I think it influenced a lot of stuff to, that came after much like <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to invoke the word much like how citizen Kane <laughs> <laughs> moved, moved uh, movies from like simple entertainment and, you know, talkies, whatever. Uh, and like it, 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 I'm not saying you should draw the direct comparison, but like there are yeah. benchmark films or benchmark books or wh- however you want to approach it that say like, Oh, mm-hmm. this kind of changed what our standard is and what our standard should be. And from there, we were able to iteratively get better. And I think that's kind of see how I see Deus Ex. I don't see it in 2020 stuff and seeing like, oh, this philosophy is kind of garbage by our standards. <laughs> no, I, that's not even necessary. I think the thing, the issue that I have with the reason that I bring it up is it was 20 years ago, but Citizen Kane existed significantly before it. And like, like there are texts I think from a game design perspective, Deus Ex was hugely innovative and that's why I like it so much. I'm speaking more from a particularly from like the fiction that it's the, the prose of the story. It's not necessarily um, it's drawing from a lot of references from, from other works. 
and it's not considering like a lot of those philosophical elements. And it, there's no reason that it couldn't have then. Like, I don't think that 20 years of advancement in game design necessarily matters when it comes to the, like the pros and the narrative so much, which is more the thing that I'm saying it's okay to be critical of with some of those. It's okay to say, yes, it was 20 years ago, but also we've had these texts for a long time and we could have that education has existed. I mean, if you, if you hand someone works today to say, here's a way to maybe look at your narrative design from a more philosophical perspective, at least half of them would likely you'd be able to say better than me, Jeff, but at least half of them would likely be from more than 20 years ago. Um, yeah. So that's Um, more what I'm getting at. I think less, less um, games as a whole, because I think as a whole, yes, there's of course, like, a lot of development and I wouldn't want to, I'm, I'm not really seeking to like criticize the level design, for example, in Deus Ex or the systems design, but more from a narrative perspective. But I think so, there's a room for yeah. philosophy to influence on all of that stuff on level design, on yeah, systems of course. design, yes, because the narrative is such like a, a, a small part of what a game can be. Yes. Yeah. And, and those like, are the areas where yeah. I'm, I think iteration and development will take more time too. So I certainly yeah. recognize that from that perspective. Um, it's absolutely a, a thing that, that the medium has to build. Yeah. And like one thing, Oops, sorry, go for it, Jeff. Go ahead. Uh, all I was going to say is that one thing that might be helpful because there, I, I, there's a, a couple of distinctions that might be useful for this conversation is that from what I hear Pat doing, is talking about actually a, a community attitude or a community sure. interpretation of a, of a you know a, a notable work in game design and game narrative. Um, I mean, for for many, and this is just born for from experience on the Fortran boards. Um, and yeah, I went through that phase. Um, <laughs> True philosopher. Uh, oh, oh, God. Um, pardon, let me go get my puke bucket. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, but there are people who are very much like, you know, that they never went past, you know, they, they, because the, it spoke directly to a kind of, very classically Western conspiracy politic where it, it confirms that it confirms the idea that, wow, there's something institutional and structural going on, but we are not going to really start critiquing power. Instead, we're just going to sort of invent this whole trilateral commission stuff um, and the Illuminati and, you know, Knights Templar and stuff. Um, and I think that the community engagement with those titles needs to also needs to be distinguished from the the quality of the title itself. Because I, I I'm, I'm ending up agreeing with both of you, but I'm also interpreting sure. both of you like um, and making different points. Because Alex is right, you know, when we're thinking about the because I remember when Deus Ex came out, um, and I literally stayed up for three days straight um, <laughs> playing that. Like I literally missed a paying gig because I was playing Deus Ex. <laughs> And I agree with Alice, too, to be clear. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It wasn't yeah. necessarily an argument as much. Likewise, yeah, I yeah. don't disagree with Pat either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so, like, when, you know, when we're thinking about community engagement, when we're thinking about the kinds of ways that, um, especially the gaming community, um, 
treats certain titles or certain intellectual properties, you know, uh, I can totally sympathize with someone like Dia Lucina, who just says, why don't you guys just read a book, please? Um, well, <laughs> please. In so many words, I'm kind of sort of saying that. Well, you know, they, they did read a book and they made the best game ever. EA did it. Visceral did uh-huh. it. It's Dante, Dante's oh. Inferno. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! No, they read a book, and the game will be revealed. I don't know, sometime in the near future. They read seven books, and it'll come out. I don't know, next year maybe. Oh, anyway, sorry. See, continue. All, all of that. All of that is still like not the worst case scenario for me because what I'm afraid of, like legitimately afraid of, is that one day I'm gonna wake up and like. I don't know, some developer, some AAA developer, Blizzard Activision will will have on their Twitter, it'll just be a black box with white text, and all it will say is, who is John Galt? Oh. And I <laughs> will jump out a window. <laughs> that's the, that's the, monkey, the monkey's paw in this situation, is me saying, developers oh, yeah. should read more philosophy. And then right. it turns out that they're just like... Ah uh, yes, let's literally interpret this book. Yeah, God is in Ayn fact Rand. dead, and let's make a game about it. <laughs> I would prefer. I would prefer Nietzsche. I real like we had Zenosaga. That's Nietzsche as hell. That's true. That actually has been done already, but in, in more eloquent ways. <laughs> right. Huh. Anyway, so that's a that's a worthwhile conversation. And it's, it's um, when when yeah. it's uh, who's John Galt, and then below it, it has like the shrugging emoji face. <laughs> oh no it's too perfect it's too it's unholy um, <laughs> oh god I, I hate everything about it uh, so uh, speaking of things I get grumpy about um, I'll move on to the second point because uh, we've been running for a while uh, so there's this game that's coming out for the mini fridge um, or is it no? It's PS4. Or is it mini fridge? I can't. Fr- I can't remember which. Yeah. It's, it's mini fridge. Okay, it's great. mini fridge and whatever refrigerator you happen and to my PC have under your desk. Uh, I is that really not going to come to the PS5? I don't think that so. seems weird. Anyway, but yeah, that's, that's anyway. So, wild. so there's there's uh, Fantasy Star Online to New Genesis. Oh, yeah. They're making and a new Genesis. It, I, I wish. <laughs> well, it is. It is. It there's is another, there's another new console. It is Sega. I mean, it is Sega. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <is> horse. <laughs> exactly. There were all those rumors that like Sega was going to sell the Series X in Japan, but uh, hey. it's going to be the Sega Series X. But no, it's going to be the new Genesis. <laughs> NG. Um, it is coming so, to PS4. Oh, okay, great. Um, so, Fantasy Star Online 2, New Genesis. And the PSO series has enjoyed quite a bit of success. PSO 2, of course, infamously never came to the States, and a lot of PSO fans have clamored for uh, PSO 2 to be released over here. And I completely understand, and I will we'll preface this by any PSO fans out there. Um, I live with one, in fact. Uh, I, I respect you. I affirm you. I value you. I am happy 
that this is really good news. Um, even at the same time, while I'm disturbed by the character creation models who are just so sweaty, oily, glistening. And human. Just. <laughs> it's just real. Oh, oh, I don't know what's happening. Um, mm. yeah, I mean, yeah. ad- mm-hmm. adult cool is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Adult cool is pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh. Um, so why am I bringing up Fantasy Star Online 2, New Genesis? Well, I think one of the things that I want to encourage people as they engage with the Fantasy Star series is to take the time. Um, in fact, um, on the PS4 now, there's the Sega Genesis collection, and they keep releasing it for every freaking new system. Um, and it's really cheap, and it has a whole bunch of old Genesis games. The reason why I recommend that is because it has Fantasy Star 2, Fantasy Star 3, and Fantasy Star 4 included. One of the things on why I would encourage players to engage with that material is because Fantasy Star Online, just through the conventions of the medium of being an MMO, I mean, yes, it does have an offline single player mode where you can experience the story and get a little bit more crunchy, but ultimately it's it's mechanically an MMO. <clears throat> and when you have a persistent player base, you're not going to get certain narrative functions that they're just going to be closed off to you until we make another sort of creative decision. Um, But most folks want to play it safe. This turns out to be a problem. I I would advance uh, for fantasy star. And the reason why is because the fantasy star series from the get go has been a series that has been characterized by grief. Grief is the biggest driver of plot in those games. And they did things that were extraordinarily ahead of their time uh, for JRPGs. I should I should index that, um, <clears throat> including had sort of my generation's version of Aerith, you know, the, the big Aerith thing um, where uh, a pr- the person you think is the protagonist for the first 20 hours of the game and P- Fancy Star 4 suddenly isn't anymore and it's handled with an emotional maturity that you really don't see likewise there's a kind of persistence a kind of uh when we're thinking about the events of the world they're not merely the satisfaction of quests and the quests become unavailable and the circumstances remain static rather things have Wait, and some of the best RPG experiences, uh, I'm thinking of, you know, Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy VII, uh, Xenogears, Xenosaga, things like that. Um, the Tales of series, from what I've experienced of it, um, when events happen, they matter. And because they matter, they have a certain kind of, uh, a certain kind of way to communicate emotional weight. Sorry. My ventilation kicked on and so i'm like trying to adjust my noise gate very quickly um <laughs> it's like ah. um so when when i'm th- talking about the fantasy star series i really want to encourage people rather than getting sucked into fantasy star online 2 and saying oh that's the best fantasy star ever to really go back to the old games because what made those games beautiful was death was loss was heartbreak and the return of such and when watching these characters actually grow 
and not just be like, well, I'm an anime character and therefore I'm just going to stab a thing and that I'll feel better because my power level went up. Yes. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, it's not, you know, the Dragon Ball uh, sort of emotional um content here um and i think there, there's something really powerful nipples what <laughs> we'll get back to that don't worry continue okay <laughs> just just um. <laughs> move along move along <laughs> so when we're thinking about um you know new especially new players the fantasy star universe is a really rich universe and i think it has a lot to offer but I, I think that if we're if we're separating Fantasy Star from w- what has characterized the early games as being classic, which is to say persistence, permanence, death, grief, trauma, and not just trauma for the sake of trauma, but trauma as in like working out through loss and finding new bonds and finding ways to grow and and that and not just turning grim dark. Um, I think there could be something there and maybe we can push or even if we can't push, we can at least start to um, pay more attention to the ways that RPG experiences can be informed by rather than just sort of the, the affirmation of the monarchy, which is what you typically get in JRPGs. You can get something that's a little bit more human centered um, and that kind of thing. Anyway, that's what I that that was my surprisingly less grumpy rant than I expected. <laughs> I've not ever played a single Fantasy Star game at all. Um and uh have kind of always been interested in 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 it. Um but I don't really know if the best option is to just play the first one and then go on from there or pretty disconnected like fantasy star four takes like a it takes place like a thousand years later from the previous i think either it thousand years after two or three i can't remember that's the one with chaz right three jeff yeah that's the one with chaz yeah it's it's difficult to get fantasy star one (laughs) yes yes uh yeah so by legal means by legal means and and I may perhaps find uh, some way to experience those games, that first game, and um, feel better about it by paying the dollar a piece that it costs to purchase two, three, and four on Steam. (laughs) (laughs) Which tells me that perhaps Sega is not that concerned with people accessing those titles. (laughs) Exactly. But but it's interesting, uh, Jeff, that you're saying all this, because I think the same journey you're talking about with regards to grief and um, loss and, you know, um, the, the flow of fantasy star four, especially is you can map a lot of that onto the last of us too, because there is a lot of parallels that one can draw in terms of character development and how they go from, and their, how their actions are informed by the experiences they go through. Uh, perhaps I will not be playing fantasy star. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, but I say, Star has a, you, you said the way they approach it is not in the grimdark way so i think yeah. that's where the difference yeah, lies probably. and where pat would probably be, feel a little bit yes. more at ease with yes. it <laughs> yeah yeah no absolutely um uh i pat if you're looking for a good entry point i know this sounds very counterintuitive give four a try because four 
It, I, I know. Um, <laughs> I made a face. <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I feel that like, no, <laughs> you got to start at one. But the thing is, is that, um, the mechanics of the game itself are, especially with classic fantasy star, it's good. They're, they arguably find their best realization in four. Um, and at least it'll, it'll sort of teach you how to, how to appreciate it. And so that way, when you do play like one, two and three, it'll be like, Oh, it's a fantasy star game. Okay. I get it. Honestly, um, yeah, I tend the way I tend to enjoy it when I go back and look at, um, at, you know, classics or non classics, just older games. I tend to appreciate seeing the mechanical development. That's why usually oh. I play games from, like most people, there's certainly a part of it that's like, oh, I got to play it from the beginning of the story. But for me, it's actually largely because I think the storytelling that happens from a design and mechanic evol- mechanical evolution perspective is really interesting to me. So, um, so, okay. so I might even try looking at four briefly and then rewinding and then coming okay. back to it to play through it. Um, yeah. Because one of the things that happens with four, because um, Alex is right, they're they're pretty disconnected in, in time, but they are not disconnected in character. Because one of the things I so I played four first, and then I went back and played one, two, and three, mm-hmm. and then all. Of, oh my god, Alex! Um, <laughs> um, so Al- Alex has as a Zoom background now. Who is John Galt? Uh, and Thanks. and it's my nightmare. Thank you, Tom. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you can't so, see the full image. Uh, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but the thing about four, which is interesting, is um, it is very much uh, d- diving into the Nichan thing of Eternal Return. Mm-hmm. So you'll you'll get a kind of reincarnation story and. Sure. That if you do play it chronologically, that will hit like a ton of bricks because of what happens in the previous games. And you're like, oh, 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 yeah. oh. Well, unfortunately, okay. I won't be playing any more games in 2020 because that is absolutely a way to sell me on throwing, throwing <laughs> 400 hours of my life away. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm not going to look down on you and no one should look down on you if you end up using like any kind of speed ups or anything like that, because the encounter, I'll just say from a mechanics standpoint, the encounter rate in Fantasy Star is bonkers. It is yeah. absolutely bonkers. So just like, you know, if you need to just save state or or, or uh, use the rewind fin- uh, feature in the Sega Genesis collection on the PS4, that's perfectly fine, and no one should shame you for it because yeah. the, in- the encounter rate is bonkers. <laughs> yeah. I do enjoy yeah. hard JRPGs. Not that that has anything to do with difficulty, but I do enjoy hard JRPGs. So, uh, yeah. If All it right. has that, then... Yeah. Well, that's all the h- hottest news on Sega's newest Genesis uh, coming later this year. <laughs> oh. or, no, coming next year, 2021. I did want to say that um, while it sounds from someone who hasn't engaged with any of them, that it is a better play to go back and play the, the classics. Um, everyone should watch 
the explanation video that they put out for <laughs> New Genesis because <laughs> it is like a wild puzzle box of like explaining what that thing is and it's like it the oh, number man. of infographics and data sets that come up on screen during that trailer it's hilarious i was like on yeah. my toes the whole time it was like <laughs> a narrative i was like well what is it is it an expansion is it a new game it's an expansion and a new game and you can the, everything goes back and forth it's it's very <laughs> funny i don't think i'm ever going to play it but it was it was very entertaining right. to watch the video <laughs> <laughs> all right well that is going to bring us to news uh, mm-hmm. Thank you, Jeff, for yeah, thank you elevating yeah. the discourse this week and <laughs> uh, bringing in a whole new perspective that we don't often get. It's That's much better than our first episode where we were literally talking about poop for the per- first like at least thirty minutes. Hey, you're the one who brought a dump in the dark. <laughs> that was the first thing <laughs> we talked about. Anyways, I love it. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we always brought it back for this episode with the Avengers. that's really that's too much (laughs) it's too mean uh uh, yeah you're right a dump in the dark isn't that bad yeah all right what we got andre uh we have today speaking of dumps in the dark we've got uh, i didn't watch it but the state of play seemed like it was all right Uh, i mean yeah it, it had some interesting news we've got Oh, where'd it go? Did I lose it? I lost. There it is. Uh, the Crash Bandicoot Four, whatever. That looks like a Crash Bandicoot game. Hitman Trilogy playable in PSVR. Oh, that's kind of what? interesting. I don't know how that would work. You can I throw the I cans either, of spaghetti with one to one fidelity. <laughs> yeah, that that's it's only on PSVR as far as I know. There's no PC support. Um, Actually, I, well, okay. There there is a video. Uh, I'm going to have to recommend to all of you to watch. This is separate. I'll put it in, in as a link note um, called The Intimacy of Everyday Objects. Uh, it is okay. a video from the YouTube channel of Jacob Geller, and it is extremely good. He talks about uh, ropography and stuff like that, um, being like, you know, trivial objects, small things, and just like how Half-Life Alex has the uh, bottles of beer with the or wine that you can like turn around with your hand and you can see the liquid moving and how that elevates things and just like how that makes things feel more intimate. And I feel like if Hitman can make that can of spaghetti feel like something that actually has (laughs) weight and is like, you could shake it around and you can hear like (laughs) I'm in, but, but for real, that video is really good. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up braid anniversary edition. Uh, speaking of philosophy mm-mm, and mm-mm. not great speaking people, the wrong direction to go with philosophy and video games. <laughs> that yeah. The conclusion of that game, though, I, I don't. I never. I never. Uh, it was Xbox exclusive, right? I don't know if it ever came out. Did it, it came, came out to on PC? Things? Okay, it's, I never. I never played it. But it's like if there was a twist in Frog Fractions, and you were like, oh. Oh. oh, I I think I know what it is. I think I know what it is. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. How about a good indie game, Spelunky Two, coming yeah, later this year? Yeah, I trust. Um, oh God, what's Derek his name U. now? Yeah, Derek, Derek U. U. Thank you. I trust Derek U. Coming next month, 
I, I believe it, they said it was delayed at some point, but now it's coming out uh, September 15th. Uh, let's see. Star Wars Vader Immortal. They're weird. Uh, the like kind of a show, not, isn't it? It's not very good. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's like a, it's, it's actually more like a, um, like a walking simulator, a VR walking simulator. Okay. Yeah. Um, as someone who loves walking simulators, it's not very good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it, it has no bearing on anything Star Wars mm-hmm. at all, really, other than Darth Vader's there, but then you go underground and there's a weird, like, society under the earth that you, you're their chosen one or whatever. And they're. Ah, uh, so it's yeah, Rise it's, of Skywalker. Um, it's on par with Rise of Skywalker, I would say, and it's level oh. of quality. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Uh, saving us from that is Control the Alan Wake expansion. Well, I I uh, want to play that game again on PC to play the those expansions. I I am wait is this the last DLC? I don't yeah. know. I'm waiting for it all to yeah. be out to play it. Yeah. Uh let's see. We got Temtem coming to PS5 next year. Cool. Yep. Temtem's good. It is. Yeah. I I wonder if that's going to be like, oh, it's an early access thing or if it's just be like, here's the game. Because they've done like some early access stuff, but not. I think they're targeting release for that out of early access. From yeah. I know. Okay. I'd imagine it's, it's going to point no. It's supposed to have crossplay as well when it when it hits. Oh, interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah. That wasn't tied to the PS5 announcement. They have said in the past that it will have crossplay when they hit mm-hmm. 1.0 as if they can do it. And they have said that they don't see any reason they can't do it. So awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hood Outlaws and Legends, which I guess is like a Robin Hood thing. It's a 4v4 multiplayer heist game. Whatever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Do you play okay. as a, like a Fox version of Robin Hood? No. <laughs> uh, maybe they're skins. It's it's 4v4, so I assume it's a service game. Maybe so you can get like a, a skin. If it's vaguely medieval themed multiplayer game, it'll be overrun by white supremacists within a month of release, so you won't want to play it. But Hard if, truths. But if it's the Disney, movie, <laughs> I'm in because that's the best version of Robin Hood. Yes. Uh, uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, well. I'm going to go with Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> okay, but playing it playing it relatively straight to the original material. <laughs> Depends on that's a matter uh, of perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Anyways, I mean, like, I re- I really I really enjoy the the Disney version too, and it like, is, if it is the really if if the Disney version is 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 going to be the thing, I I want there to be a four v four chorus mode, so you can all sing the damn song together. There yeah, the the slowed down version of the hamster dance, of course. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of things everybody wants to sing, Bug Snacks got okay. a gameplay trailer. Yeah, I wasn't expecting uh, it to be a first person game. <laughs> yeah, for some yeah, reason. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Octodad wasn't first person, but no. it, it's like, I want to say Pokemon Snap-esque, but you're not on like rails, but you're going around this island. You are, you do take some pictures occasionally. It's oh, like so some it's, Viva Pinata vibes, kind of. So Umarangi yeah. Generation, but with bug snacks. Uh, Umarangi Generation <laughs> is significantly more, um, I don't know. It's not like <laughs> bug snacks, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah that's that it it looks like a game yeah <laughs> it, it it's a game it, it yeah, it's a game i, I still want to play that Bugs holiday snacks. holiday this year looking for still to no it. official date i wonder if that's like launch with the ps5 or what i don't know we'll see uh some godfall stuff 
pathless. I don't know what that is. Godfall had a very, um, this sounds really mean and you know what? It kind of is people working hard at that game. Yes. It had a like pathetic fact. Is this like Dark Souls? <laughs> is this like Dark Souls? Counterplay Games is aiming to innovate with Godfall to provide a fresh take on action RPGs by rewarding skill-based defensive gameplay and making every hit matter. Is this like, yeah. Diablo? Is this like Diablo? Godfall is a third-person melee <laughs> RPG and is not a top-down isometric game. Why even put the questions in there if you don't want to answer them? It's your fact. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. moving on. Let's see. The Pathless. I don't know what that is. I think one of the interesting there are two things here. One is Anno Mutationum. I thought Anno was like a city builder. This doesn't look like a city builder. Um, it's like you're in the city. It's, it's, it looks like an anime game. It's not related to Anno. Yeah, I don't think it's anyway, actually related sorry. to Anno. It has nothing to do with Anno. Yeah, which is the thing that confused me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Aeon Must Die is uh, is a fighting game, I believe. And there was some scuttlebutt around this game where the developer team got like fired basically last week. And they're like showing off this game and not compensated for the work they've done. I I don't think it's that they were fired. I think it's that a lot of them left because they were not getting compensated. Like maybe yep. that's and, it. like there was crunch going on and like a lot of work going in and they were not getting paid for like the past several months. So they just left. So, yeah. And then they're here showing off this game. Weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know that Sony has to be aware of that. <laughs> like, I think that depends on how open the developers mm-hmm. are like about that stuff. Well, the, uh, the people have been like, you know, trying to communicate with like the publisher and stuff like that to, you know, but they've not been very responsive, I guess, is what yeah. it sounds like. Well, sounds it right. sounds like a mess. Yeah. Uh, we got some like RPGs, the pedestrian auto chess is coming to PS4, PS5. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so if you want uh, an auto chess game on console. That will have you covered probably long after the auto chess craze has died down. I'm, I'm surprised there wasn't an auto chess on console already, but uh, so yeah, that kind of state of play. No major PS five news. They said as much beforehand and people were like, why not? But I believe they have said there's more information coming this month. When that is, the, there's like uh, three more weeks. So what month we'll see. did we find out the price of the PS4 and Expo? And that was a, that was an E3 announcement, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, so that was, that was E3 because Microsoft, yeah, Microsoft said their stuff. And then Sony was like, ah, ha hundred dollars cheaper. Yeah. Reportedly, yeah. Like they the made that day. decision day of, yeah. like they saw their price. So like, okay, here's our price. Yeah. So that was June. They released in November. Um, we are now in almost mid August and we can presume it'll probably be out in November. I wonder if that's going to affect pre yeah. pre uh, pre-orders. I don't think so. Probably not. Not for but the I initial mean, batch at I, least, but still. Yeah. I think and apparently like most companies they're doing better than they normally do this time of year uh, mm. for games stuff. So 
I think people are going to either make make room for consoles or I, I think we're going to see some real shitty scalping like oh, more God, so yeah. than usual. Yeah. But yeah, yeah we'll but, see. Hey, Andre, speaking of pre-orders and things you might not want to pre-order. Um, uh, mm, uh, mm, the uh, Spider-Man mm, thing. Spider-Man. It's not a pre-order. It's not a pre-order. Though, you threw me off still. with the pre-order. We, this <laughs> uh, is, yeah. I could do uh, a three-hour podcast on just this topic, and we're already long. Yeah. Oh my god. We, we don't need to do that. But yeah, so Spider-Man, we we touched on it briefly earlier. Spider-Man will be the exclusive <clears throat> to the PlayStation version of Avengers. They have not everything they've said has made it sound like this is not a timed exclusive. This is a if you want to play Spider-Man, you need to own a PlayStation and need to own the they, game on PlayStation. They in fact indicated that if you are on other platforms, you will see people playing as Spider-Man <laughs> and you will not be able to Which, play as him that, yourself. Wow. I didn't, uh, that doesn't even make sense because the game doesn't have crossplay. But they, it's supposed to eventually. Yeah, eventually. They, are, yeah. they, are, <laughs> they have said that they are going that, that they want to implement crossplay, and people were like, Well, what if I'm crossplaying and there was an interview that really bad interview that whoever it was was like, Yeah. Well, um, we can put Spider-Man anywhere. You can interact with Spider-Man anywhere. And it was like, oh, so you're telling me my friends are going to get on and be playing on PC and I crossplay with them. And then they're going to be like, well, I wish I could play Spider-Man and see me swinging around as Spider-Man. That is, it is just like. Yeah, it's, uh, it's shitty. Also, yes, you can engage in that conversation without it having to be a, well, Microsoft blank. It's it's a it's a frustrating trend I've seen where people are like, "Hey, this is," and I have said, "Hey, this is really shitty." And the response is, "Well, Microsoft would do it too." And it's like, "Yes," and it would be shitty if they did it. Like, <laughs> what Microsoft should do is get Blade. They shouldn't. <laughs> no one. Yeah. Should make the name of that available. fallacy. The name of that fallacy is called two quoque. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fair. Fun fact. It's bad. Yeah, it's uh, well, maybe in that case, Rocksteady's newly announced game, Suicide Squad, will uh, do it for you. I don't, I, we don't know what this game is. They're going to like t- apparently tease Whoa, it wait, uh, on the twenty second. Yeah, hmm? you mean the Rocksteady game that we've been waiting like five years to hear, like what they're <laughs> working on, and like there's been all this yeah, anticipation yeah, yeah. building up, and like people are like, what are Rocksteady doing? Where are they going to announce it? How did they announce this amazing property? Uh, they worked on this game for five years, and they just tweeted it out. Honestly, I love it. <laughs> I'm super into it. I think this is how it's. Sh- I think that this hype bubble bursting pop thing needs to happen more often. <laughs> <laughs> this this also leaked uh, a couple weeks ago, um, yeah. which was and it was spot on where they're going to show it and what the like the basic like the name of the game is. My theory is they were working on a Superman game like everyone thought they were after Arkham. And then they came to the realization that most developers come to after they've already made a finished product, which is that you can't make a good Superman game. And then <laughs> they said, let's not do that. Instead, let's try something else. Well, apparently WB Montreal was working on a Suicide Squad game until 2017, and that got mm-hmm. canned. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. And then this game, so it's been like three years since they've been working on this one, it sounds like, unless they 
took what WB Montreal was doing, but I doubt that. I don't know. I can think of one good Superman game. And is that is side scrolling one. No, it is Saints Row 4. Well, <laughs> yes. Sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah that's gonna be I, the 22nd I think at the DC Fandome you wanna talk about uh, Sunday, Sunday, a grenade Sunday. into the room if you say in a discord room I don't understand why people like Suicide Squad just prepare yourself yeah although I kinda wish that someone would help Rocksteady like they're stuck <laughs> Like they've been stuck in this little DC niche and I'm like, yeah. I want to help them. And I'm like either like, cause that's not even like the strongest part of DC's comic canon. Um, yeah. that's that they, they do magic. They do magic really well. And we haven't had a game for that. And that's yeah. weird. Okay. okay. Let me hit you with this one. Yeah. Rocksteady's new game screen fades up and you hear a voice. Oh no. And it says, who is John Galt? No. <laughs> from Rocksteady Studios exclusively Andre. on the Nintendo Andre. Switch why do you hate me <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's just a PowerPoint presentation really it, no, and it's not it's going to be exclusive to the Intellivision Amico thank you very much <laughs> uh, moving on we'll also I believe see that Court of Owls game uh, that I'm more event. interested in, actually. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like it's closer, and the Suicide Squad game will only be a tease. Maybe that'll be a next year game. Or I'll say right now, out. if it looks like the Suicide Squad cast in this game purchased their wardrobe at a Hot Topic in 2004, <laughs> then I will not be playing Rocksteady's Suicide Squad game, which is yeah. what it looks like in the film Suicide Squad, which I yeah. detested. Yeah. The and speaking, I, of- I bet it'll be similar to the Batman stuff. Probably. Speaking I don't know if that a, is I don't the know best that. aesthetic either for for that, but we'll see. Yeah. Speaking to what Jeff was saying, though, I can only think of one developer who's managed to kind of um, work with DC properties and still have a little bit of an escape, and that's uh, Another Realm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it, at least they get <laughs> to do their own stuff, also, even even when they're making Injustice every other iteration. Right. Or Tales too has done a pretty good job. Oh, that's true. They dip yeah. into the, the oh, Lego yeah. Uh, yeah, DC right. stuff and then also maintain, they're also doing other cool stuff. So. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and telltale. <laughs> uh, Rocksteady did yeah. a good job with those Batman games. They, there yeah, are certainly they issues great. you can address with them, but like they're good they games. Made, yeah. They have the, some of the best superhero games out there. Mm-hmm. So I would agree. Uh, up next on the news, speaking of just, tweeting it out it wasn't a tweet but basically all nintendo's doing now is going hey here's a trailer for a game that's dropping in like two months uh which is pikmin 3 ultimate or something they're the the, uh the extended the more pikmin edition oops all pikmin (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh it's coming to switch or coming to switch in uh uh, november i think october something like that october it's october 30th uh and it is no longer available for purchase on the wii u apparently yeah, that's the weird thing i saw someone earnestly saying like pikmin 3 now who's gonna say where are the games and i was like <laughs> me still actually I mean, <laughs> when did pikmin 3 originally come out 2017 2016 i don't know yeah i've I never mean, played a pikmin game they're fine 2013 
Oh, Jeez. whoa. I so, tried to play a Pikmin game. I don't, yeah. I don't particularly like them, but so, that's cool for people who do. So, yeah, they got the games. They got the seven-year-old games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, it's supposed fine. to still be that Mario stuff coming, but... I'll believe it when I see it. Their their yeah. whole strategy has been very odd. <laughs> I, I mean, I think they've... Like, on one hand, yeah, just put out a trailer for a game that's out in two months. Like, who cares? We don't need a direct. Like, there's no... There's no... no like conference where there's a lot of people and they need to go to the floor to play a bunch of games. You're just like, Hey, this game's out in two months, but the way they're, I don't know the games they're choosing and like Pikmin. Okay. I guess, but why not? If they've got like other stuff, like if this Mario stuff is happening, why not? Yeah. Tell people, I don't know. But, I don't know. Um, to me, Nintendo's so weird. Like I know a lot of this is probably calculated, but it just kind of feels like they kind of bumble through every generation. And then sometimes it really works yeah. <laughs> like the Wii. They just kind of bumbled into a giant success and they're like, all right, cool. Let's go with it. And same with switch yeah. right now. It's like, they just kind of wandered into a total success. Like, yes, they designed the switch in a way that's appealing to mainstream and mm-hmm. hardcore alike, but it just kind of has the, they, the look of just <laughs> a company's just like, Oh, Okay, we're good now. They succeed, and they succeed in spite of themselves. Exactly, at times. that's a better way to put it. Um, speaking of succeeding in spite of yourself, Riot Games will hold the League of Legends World Championships in Shanghai this year. For some reason, uh, from uh, it, the entire thing won't take place there. They uh, the original plan was to tour around China and have. Uh, like promotional matches all across the country. Uh, but that is being cut down. They will only be doing the finals or like top semifinals and stuff in Shanghai in the big soccer arena there. It doesn't, it doesn't seem smart. No, with an audience? Like, God, what is I wrong think, with them? I think in some ways it's probably fine depending on where. Because like there's actually some conventions and stuff going on in New Zealand right now and it's fine. Because... Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, New Zealand, but, like, but, but like, I don't think they're like having people come in from out of the country. Exactly. I so like, I I think there are places to have events where it's fine. I don't know. I don't currently know the situation in Shanghai. I know in Beijing, they're starting to get a bit more cases again, which is shitty. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know about Shanghai, but like if it is a New Zealand situation, Oops. that's probably all good. Beep, beep, beep. Um, but um, also, I do think it's a very stupid decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah just it, and it's yeah I, I i think i've been on record as not being a big riot fan so that's probably not surprising there are admittedly there there are complications if you want to do this as a like do the 2020 world championship with getting international teams together to play because internet yeah latency it's very it's true. a problem yeah very true right but also maybe Maybe call it off the one time because uh, yeah. they're going to redo. They're going to do it in uh, China next year too. assuming things don't get worse. They'll go back to China to make good on the uh, doing all the uh, like the touring stuff. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Poor decision. Uh, more China news. Oh, God, the. Uh, Trump signed an executive order that says uh, 
all transactions with TikTok, uh, with Tencent and ByteDance need to end within 45 days or something. Or, yeah. All the transactions <laughs> with these companies need to end. Uh, ByteDance, owners of popular teen social media app TikTok yeah. and Tencent, owners, owners of, of WeChat. Yeah, well, specifically this uh, order, supposedly, it is not clear from the order, but clarification from the administration, which is worth as much as um, something that doesn't weigh very much, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Wait, let me see if I can, let me see if I can, if I can get a poop out real quick. It's worth about that. Um, they say this is only in regards to WeChat and will not affect 10 cents major like stake in Epic Games or the fact that they Blizzard. own Riot Games. They don't or, even yeah, they didn't Blizzard know and, he and they didn't know that 10 cent had their fingers yeah. in as much stuff when they signed this executive order. Yeah. Like well, yeah, I, I think it's safe to assume the administration that's currently empowered does not really think things through. Um <laughs> like I or know the things to think through about those things. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> they wouldn't even know have the they don't even have the breadcrumbs to start thinking. Yeah, like I have lots of thoughts on this and we don't have to dive too deep yeah, into it. Um but like there was a lot of really unclear language about the bans that were taking place because they just said transactions and then other places reported yep. that it's financial transactions. But like, okay, let's say for the sake of argument, they're saying financial transactions and they're going to ban WeChat. WeChat, they're in we, I, I have WeChat. I have a lot of Chinese friends and that's how we communicate. And WeChat pay is huge in China. It's like, it was basically the precursor to your whatever the Apple one and the Google one where you can load your credit card into there and tap yeah, your phone yeah. like it. And in some ways in China, it is almost like a bank. So like um, some people use it like a bank, like an online bank. And that's, you know, that's normal. However, WeChat pay does not exist in the U S based store or the yep. U S based version of WeChat. So there isn't really any way to do financial transactions this, in WeChat. This doesn't if, have you're, anything, if, if you're in the sorry. States, <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with, actually taking any action it's just a political move to for the election in november it's just a way to leverage yellow scare tactics to um to 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 buy votes from moderate voters who are afraid of china so that's that's all that this is and to honestly to like if it were a, a better administration i would say there's something to analyze there and more to look at but since it's just that's all it is it's very shallow so that's not even really Big Chinese corporation. Yeah. Make them look bad and get votes from people who are afraid of China. It's yeah, it's profoundly stupid. Um, mm-hmm. We could, we could dive deep into it, but I don't think we need to at this point. It's just, yeah. Yeah. That's it kind of it's, a, it's, it's profoundly yeah. stupid and it's not going to have yeah. any impact. Nope. Speaking you will still be of, able to download TikTok in 50 days. I'm guarantee. I mean, whether it's owned by Tencent or, or uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's or not Microsoft. Do who cares? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, speaking of Microsoft and other companies that want to harvest all your data, Tencent, uh, ByteDance, wow. and uh, Google, and uh, Apple, it sounds like xCloud and Stadia will not be coming to iOS because Apple said, no. Uh, 
didn't seem like there was, they're just like, nah, they don't fit our store. Uh, we want people like you can, I don't know. Basically they want more of a cut. Yeah. And well, it, I think they, they want, they want any cut. They don't want an external store well, but, that doesn't go through Apple yeah. shit. I mean, and you, they can't control the games that are on game pass. They can't control the stuff on stadia, which is yeah. what they say, but yes. like, they can't, but it's, it's really corny. I think that's real to an extent because you can buy things through external storefronts. Like you can use the Xbox app to purchase games as I understand it. So yeah, um, it, it's, I think it's more that they can't control though that, that interaction. Um, they, they can't control, they can't control what I watch on Netflix either. Like, uh, but they know what's on Netflix and um, they these can are, just as easily know what's on like on stadia so i think there's only like 12 games on stadia like i I think the security concern for them i'm not saying it's valid necessarily but i think the security concern for them is that you're remoting to another machine and you're not i mean you're interacting with it that's i'm not saying it's valid i think think that would just be their argument i think that Uh, sets such a double standard because there's microsoft 365 or office 365 on ios like like this is very directed at game stuff, and I don't know why. Because there are a billion services. Like there's Dropbox on iOS. They, they want there's they want people playing Apple Arcade games. Totally. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah there's absolutely. that. But like with uh, their PS4 or Xbox controller, which yeah, they are happy to advertise. They support. <laughs> the bottom line is, if it becomes if this stuff takes off, and if it becomes a major feature on Android that lots of people end up using, then it will come to iOS. Done. That's how they always have done this stuff. Is they resisted it, and first, they'll act and like it, they were so brave. Yes, like, they'll act wow, like it's now, a huge innovation to bring it to have, iOS. Now yeah, we have widgets. That's, that's totally what'll happen. And um, frankly, from what we've seen, there's not. I don't see any reason to care one way or another about this at this point because I it's not like Stadia I and Xbox are blowing the doors off of Android. Heavily disagree. I think this is Apple holding all the cards because uh, streaming is going to be the future. Uh, whether it's Stadia or XCloud or some new player in the future, it doesn't matter because I think we maybe are eventually going to maybe no. Apple, but yeah, I think I, we I think we are going to get away from hardware, and I yeah. think people are going to want to play these games on the devices they have with them most often. Um, there are a lot of people who have Apple devices and are steadfast fans of Apple devices and will stay on Apple devices for the foreseeable future, and uh, if they want to get into streaming gaming they're going to want to do it on their their apple device and apple is saying okay like they're being the gatekeepers at this point like they could say we're letting xcloud through and that's going to be the one that's going to succeed like i think it's a power play in some ways and i think it's also setting a really shitty precedent so so let me clarify what i'm saying right Mm -hmm. now there is those services are not useful really to the end consumer like stadia is kind of a mess and xcloud um I think the only game really playable on it right now is, is Master Chief Collection. I actually agree with you 100%. The reason they're saying this now is so that they can watch these things develop and then pick the one that is going to be the most profitable for them to do what yeah. you're saying with and allow that one through. So I totally agree that it's it's a huge deal for the future, and I think that they recognize that and see right now that it's not going to influence a person's device choice what where those things are right at this moment, but it might in a year. So Yeah. 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 Which I think is kind of, again, shitty practice, but that's just my Absolutely. feelings. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I agree. 
Uh, let's see. Well, speaking of Xbox and Sony, uh, well, we weren't talking about Sony, but Xbox, as they came out and said, hey, your Xbox One controllers are going to work with the Xbox Series X, backwards compatible, the accessibility controller, all that good stuff, just going to work with the Series X. Nice. All right. I don't think they've like shown any like new controller stuff with the Series X, right? I don't think there is a new controller. Yeah, so... I'm sure there'll be there some new design elements, but I don't think it's changing from yeah, a mechanical but, perspective. Yeah. And I think it was kind like of... Like, if you bought a Pro controller what, with the Elite controller, Elite. Uh, that'll work. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about that. But, yeah, I think it was uh, in response to the PS5 story, was it not? <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, which was the Sony listed out, okay, here's, here's the deal with peripherals going forwards. You got, like, a driving wheel or a fight stick, anything like that. It'll work on the PS5. If you've got a PS4 fight stick or driving wheel, it'll work on the PS5. Assuming it's like USB or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, headsets like the PlayStation Gold headset or whatever, that'll work. PlayStation Eye camera, that'll work. You'll have to get an adapter from them, uh, which will be free. But the thing that really irked some people was that mm-hmm. DualShock 4 controllers will work with PS4 games on the PS5, but will not work forwards to PS5 games. So if you get like, uh, <sighs> I don't know, like uh, Gang Beast 2 on the PS5, and you've got one Dual, DualSense controller and like three DualShock 4s, you can't play. You so gotta stupid. get some more DualSense. Yeah. <laughs> But hey, the, there the, are some like new features in that controller that make certain things like you're not going to get the best experience if you play it this way. But also like you buy for like multiplayer stuff. It seems like that should be fine. Like you buy a dual, you buy a PlayStation, you're going to get a dual sense, at least with your first person games. That should be OK. And I, I'm just really worried about the accessibility stuff about yeah, uh, the new PS5 because, like, when whenever I hear about the trigger button resistance stuff, I'm like, oh, that's not good. And the mm-hmm. fact that they're closing off the Dual Shock as an option, I'm just like, oh, come on. <laughs> I, you yeah. must be able to like turn that stuff off, like the resistance. I really stuff. hope so. You would hope. I, and you would hope that they would be like. We're going to support the access the Microsoft accessibility controller, but one would hope. One would hope. It would be a good thing for them to say, ostensibly three months before the release of the console. I they both I think just need to Microsoft less so, but I, I think both of them need to like do a. Here's the console. Here are the new like features of the generation. Like we're going to walk through them because like they've kind of done some. Sony's done some like stuff with wire and like, Oh, here's like some, you know, Oh, you can get into games real fast and stuff like that. But like show it in motion, show what this thing, what the box is capable of outside of just games. Well, or, or, like, Andre yeah. for motion. That's fine. Yeah. Cause the move controller still works with the PS five. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah. VR will still work with it. But uh, well, yeah, that's just HDMI stuff, so you just need the box. But a lot of there's uh, been a yeah. lot of news this week where my response has been that's dumb. Yeah, <laughs> actually, you know what's you know what's cool that. is there are like the new camera for the PS5 has built-in background removal. 
Oh, nice. Uh, so if that that's something you're into, um, like Zoom here has built-in background removal. Mm-hmm. Um, the NVIDIA cards are supposed to have that coming soon. The mm-hmm. RTX cards are at some point will have like built-in background removal and like AI face tracking and stuff like that. But for now, one last news story. It's a big one. Is it that the lovers are winning 20 to six against? Oh the my Shruthi? God. 20? What? What? That's, that's scary. Yeah. Anyway, oh. sorry. Uh, equally. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know what I love? Fast and furious and fast and furious crossroads Diesel. came out. And yep. uh, kind of no fanfare at all. It was just nope. like suddenly, oh, it's out. <laughs> Wasn't that the game that like closed out the, the last game awards? I believe so. Like, yeah. Like it, that was their like, oh, it looked and, and one last so thing. Bad. It yes, looked it so Let's, bad. Let's pull it, up it the Steam store page. Oh, yeah. Oh, I want to no. know if it, where the reviews went. Yes. <laughs> Crossroads. It's, I believe it's uh, it's got an it's negative, it mostly is, negative. Uh, twenty one reviews. Thirty three percent of the review of the twenty one reviews are positive. It's sixty dollars. It, oh really? Yeah. Yes, it is a sixty dollar game. Jeez, Louise. It boy howdy. Uh, it looks like this is just one of the races for like this the trailer on the Steam page. This is just one of the races from. Forza Horizon 4, but, or maybe it's 3, um, but it's got, you're di- no, yeah, it's you're three chasing it. You're chasing it and trying to blow it up. <laughs> yeah, there's, this is, the guns mounted on top of this car, this is not my Fast and Furious. No. It also looks uh, terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw Jeff Grubb saying it's, <laughs> it's very much Burnout 3. Huh. And also that maybe it's fun, but the PC port is real rough. So maybe on console it's better. I don't I mean, know. Burnout Three is good. So huh. I don't. I love Jeff Grubb. Great. I love Jeff Grubb. I don't know how much I trust some of his opinions. It, it seems <laughs> he has, like the he P- has some interesting taste. <laughs> uh, it seems like the PC port is just absolute garbage. Yeah. Maybe it's cool. Yeah, um, it could be because he's right a lot too. Yeah, so PC port is garbage, so don't get it there. You could, oh my god, they've got like a thing. They had, they just flashed a big thing that said takedown, and it, yeah, it has okay. it has season passes, and it's also oh, 50, no. fifty gigabytes, and it has no keyboard controls for PC. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Wow. It, wow. I see a lot of greatest hits from the movie. Um, if you like if you dragging buy a big thing behind a car, if you buy it before and, September seventh, you get a launch pack that includes three unique wraps <laughs> for what? playing online I, with because it's also online. Oh, I thought you meant wraps as in Vin like from, from ludicrous to say yeah. no, like wraps. I love right. driving yeah. cars in a furious way. Wraps wow. for your car. <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, the wraps for your car. I'm Vin Diesel, and I'm here to say I love driving cars in a furious way. Um, We're going to have to request the developer for a code for this, I guess. (laughs) Slightly Mad Studios. Need for Speed Shift. Project Cars? What? Yeah, isn't Slightly Mad a good thing? That's the thing, is they have made good driving games before. Yeah, I was going to say, that name is very familiar. Project Project Cars is great. It's a Bandai game, isn't it? it? Yep. Yeah, we published, yeah. 
God, that's so. What a what a thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, what a thrill. Uh, yeah. Well, that's gonna do it for news this week. Uh, at least what we saw. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, everybody. Thanks for existing, Andre. Uh, uh, you know what? I do my best. <laughs> you can <laughs> you can find me doing my best sometimes over on Twitter. At Coolslaw, C-O-O-L-S-L-4-W. And you can find me on Twitch eh, three days a week. Twitch.tv slash Coleslaw, C-O-L-E-S-L-4-W. C-O-L, yeah, I know how to spell my name. Uh, Pat, where can people find you? You can find me at PJC Plays, and I have also uh, been streaming on Sundays on our Twitch channel, which is, I believe gaming fix on twitch i always yep uh i always mess it up that's the but, one uh you can also just find me hanging out at the hot dog fingers memorial climate pledge garage and parking facility <laughs> Jeff, i had to do the hot dog fingers you? uh <laughs> people can find me on twitter uh where i'm busily ranting and screaming into the void and complaining about literally everything but also uh doing things uh at Stranger, uh, as in not someone you know. Uh, peace, uh, as in peace in the Middle East. Uh, at Stranger Peace, uh, you can also uh, find me if you lay down the right candles and say the right words, and I'll appear in your living room and I will give you a lesson on Fitch proofs. Sick, excellent, Alex. Where, where can people find you? Well, I'm going to be invoking Jeff's name, and I think we all know what the invocation is, and it is who is. <laughs> God. <laughs> this is not the first time we've made this joke, is no. it? I feel like we had one of our podcast titles was Who is John Colt, wasn't it? I don't know. <laughs> Why? Why? The eternal specter. Yeah, in more there's ways a than specter ha- there's a specter haunting europe it isn't marks um, <laughs> uh, you can find the podcast on twitter at fix podcasts and you can go to fix.space where we've got a review two reviews we've got we got some reviews up yep. and more coming i have a couple in the, in and, the works all right. I want to review Tsushima, you... but I just haven't had a lot of motivation to play it this week. So hopefully I'll get back mm-hmm. back on the literal horse, which is named Sora, canonically. Yeah, uh, and, and I have a review in the works for a very relevant game right now, Doom Eternal. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> I should have done that. Well, we are in uh, hell, so. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, they announced story DLC for that. Oh, did they? I yeah. didn't see that. I guess I should hold off uh, my review then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Podchaser.com slash gaming fix. You can head there and leave us a review to help us improve and, you know, make us be a better podcast. Uh, if you missed it last week and for the last three months or how five months, I don't know, a long time, Spotify is updating again with our podcasts. Yeah, it is. So the yeah uh thanks for alex uh for getting that together uh working again and the person people at spotify who helped us uh that's gonna do it 
Thanks for joining us. Uh, your host, Andre Cole here, a.k.a. your partner's favorite self-help tip on episode 133 of the Gaming Fix podcast on August 8th. Thanks for joining me, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.